0: MCP? Yes, Brad. Is Bruce Boxleitner nice? It matters not. I am five billion times nicer than Bruce
1: Boxleitner. Oh. I was hoping he'd be nice. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of one thousand testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? What?
0: Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1000 Wives of Weird, the podcast where we discuss weird movies. I'm Billy Martell, and with me as always is...
1: Brad Hefner.
0: And today, we are finally done with No, no not, not That, that One month. month. And we're 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 back to our, our roots, talking about any weird movies that come across our mm, path.
1: Like Kunta Kinte, we're talking about Tron. <laughs> I never watched or read Roots. I assume it's
2: it's it's about Kinte
1: (laughs) going to a blockbuster and renting Tron. Yes, exactly. With a title like Roots,
0: with a title, yeah. Well, you you hear Roots and you immediately think, oh, it's about a guy who really likes Tron. That's immediately what you think. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're we're talking about a movie that is is a cult favorite among certain people. Is this our first Disney movie as well? Ooh, I think that the, I think that it might be. Mm. I don't. I can't think of another Disney movie that
1: we've watched. I can't either. Uh,
0: but yeah, this is our first uh, aside from Up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to mention, but no fairy tale that. Uh, but uh, we are. Yeah, talking about Tron, this was a movie that was created in the 80s. It off oft-remembered as one of the most 80s things that has ever existed. Uh, it's an early, early, like one of the earliest CGI animated films. Mm-hmm. Or films that utilize a lot of CGI. The entire film is not CGI. This no. isn't like a precursor to Toy Story, although in some cases it is. This
1: is Toy Story. This is... Well, we'll talk about it later, yeah. but this is essentially Toy Story.
0: Sure, I'm, I'm interested to hear, to hear where that goes. But yeah, uh, Tron is this fascinating film. If you have ever seen an image from it, you know what I'm talking about. It, 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 there is nothing in the world that looks like Tron.
1: No. Uh, and there was a very early internet meme, so famous that it was covered on South Park, mm-hmm. in their meme episode, of a uh, stout man in a Tron cosplay outfit. Mm-hmm. So people might have seen... The imagery of this movie, without sure. realizing, although the meme is known as Tron guy, so Tron
0: guy, you knew uh, the film mostly from a joke on The Simpsons. That's
1: where I first heard about it, right? And that's where I got the idea of like, oh, Tron is a bad movie, right? But
0: the joke in the in the movie in Simpsons is, isn't that Tron is a bad movie, just that nobody saw Tron, but as which a is kid, true. Tron was a hugely expensive undertaking and was not. As profitable as Disney had hoped. But it was still decently profitable. It was decently profitable, but uh, Tron was a movie that Disney really hoped... Like, this was their Star Wars. This came out in the 80s, for those who don't know, were not good to Disney. Nowadays, we think of Disney as this gigantic media conglomerate, which they are. Exactly. At the time, Walt Disney had been dead for years, Mm -hmm. and Disney had been releasing animated movie after animated movie that just recycled animation loops from their previous films, and a whole bunch of very low-budget live-action stuff. Uh, This movie was supposed to be their big thing. They even said in in behind the scenes material I saw that the reason why that they went with Tron as a movie idea was that it seemed like something Walt himself would have loved. This idea of like experimenting with new animation technologies. Sure. The way that he always did with uh like pushing forward with stuff like the Mary Poppins combining live action and animation, uh twenty thousand Leagues Under the Sea or the biggest experimental film that Disney ever produced, Fantasia. They specifically said, it, it just seemed like we were doing Fantasia, and not apparently remembering that Fantasia mm-hmm. also didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, I first heard about this just through uh, VH1's I Love the 80s in 3D, where, again, it was just a bunch of comedians joking about like how weird how weird the movie was, which yes. is, I think, probably why I remembered it for this show. But I'd never seen it before we actually we chose it for this episode, and uh, I started watching it for this, and uh, it turned out to be just a fascinating experience. You'd never seen this before either, right? No. Briefly sum up Tron. Oh, sure. Uh, Tron, very briefly. Have you seen Free Guy? <laughs> Most people in the world have now seen Free Guy. It's kind of like that. Essentially, uh, an evil company has stolen a bunch of video game designs. From Jeff Bridges. From Jeff Bridges. Oh, brilliant
1: video game designer, oh, Jeff Bridges. If there's one person you don't steal video game designs from... You never do. It's Jeff Bridges. You never do. But anyway, they
0: they uh, stole Blunt Shooter 420 from, uh, from Jeff Bridges, and the game took off like a rocket, and he's been left in the dust. But he goes to try and find the evidence. On the way to that, he accidentally gets sucked down the rabbit hole into an entire world that exists inside the computer Mm -hmm. and ends up having to battle an evil totalitarian rule of the company that he's investigating's main program called MCP or Master Master Control Control Program, Program with the help of the superhero Tron. Yes. The Superhero Security The People's program. Champion.
1: The People's Champion. He
0: fights for the users. Yes. Uh, so I guess he isn't the
1: People's Champion. No, he's the Champion of the Gods. He's the
0: Champion of the Gods,
1: yes. Uh, they, Which is actually a note I made. Yes. So, my bad. No, that's that's fine. But yeah, uh, so... Although, oh, the perfect Tron 2 yes. would have been Tron becoming like Spartacus among the programs... You know what? No, no
0: shit. They said in the documentary they wrote Tron based on Kirk Douglas's version of Spartacus. I believe it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely comes across. But uh, and yeah, and many people probably are more familiar with the sequel that came out uh, like ten or fifteen years ago. Oh, yeah. At this point, Tron Legacy, which featured a score by Daft Punk, which was. I like the score of this, of the original, but the score of Daft Punk is is better. Yeah. Because it's Daft Punk and Daft Punk rules. Well, and the
1: soundtrack, the score for this is done by the same woman who did the score for A Clockwork Orange.
0: Is it really? Yes. Oh. I, I still
1: haven't seen A Clockwork Orange, but oh, uh, I imagine the score is. a very distinct synth soundtrack. That makes
0: sense. This is a very different experience from Tron Legacy. Even if you like Tron Legacy and you're like, oh, well, the tech is obviously so much better now than it was back then. I, Tron is a very different movie. I guarantee, even if you've seen Tron Legacy, you don't, you're not ready for Tron. Uh, so, anyway, let's let's
1: get into uh, our recommendations. Brad, would okay. you recommend Tron? What do you think of Tron? Absolutely, I really enjoyed it. It took me, because I went in expecting it to be bad. Sure. It took me a while to be like, oh, okay, this isn't bad. I'm actually enjoying this.
0: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, I can lower the snark shields. Sure. And I... Because I watched this a few days ago and my memory is terrible, (laughs) I rewatched it a little bit today and Mm. my first note was originally, I'm already so fucking confused.
0: The opening is a... It's a lot.
1: Is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, But on rewatch, I was like, okay, yeah, now I'm rolling with this a lot better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But no, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it really does, it's not as good as Star Wars A New Hope. No. Or it's especially not as good as Empire. No. But it does give you those star wars vibes like oh yes this could have been a contender absolutely much like marlon brando <laughs> <laughs> tron is the marlon brando of movies <laughs> I do
0: think that the biggest weakness of this movie, uh, I'll just say like right off the bat, is the opening couple of scenes. The movie is an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, it's not long. The part that people are most familiar, familiar with, the part where that happens inside the computer, is mostly the back hour. The opening 30 minutes is all set up for that hour. Yeah. And it is... It's a bit of a handful. It, it It's a lot. On, you're, you're, on repeat viewings, when you know more about what's going on, it is a lot easier. Once you're immersed in the lore of Tron. Exactly. It's setting up so much... It, it makes the same mistake that a lot of Star Wars... People who tried to follow in Star Wars Footprints did, which is really front-loading that lore Mm -hmm. uh, to try and make... Like, we designed a whole world, and we need to tell you all about it.
1: No, no, The Brilliance of Star Wars was that it was a simple tale with a lot in the shadows.
0: Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so... uh, But yeah, I absolutely recommend this movie... Yeah, the first time I watched it, I wasn't sure what to think of it. I I was messaging with a friend and I likened my experience watching it to watching another movie that we talked about, Halloween 3. Yeah. Where it seemed like a a competition between these incredibly creative, very artistic ideas and this incredibly corporate, very sort of standard (laughs) sort sort of stuff. But like, very normcore stuff. But upon re-watching it and, and learning more about the behind-the-scenes material, i just grown to love this movie more and more, and uh, I just genuinely love it now. The opening is difficult, and we're going to talk about it. This is not a perfect movie.
1: No, absolutely not. I wouldn't
0: even go so far as to say that the
1: script is uh, a problem, but... You could... This movie... <sighs> This is what remakes should be for. Like Tron's a good movie. Yeah, it could be a great movie.
0: Sure, taking things that are that have a little bit of uh, eh to yeah to it, and like making it the great thing that it could have that it could have been for this movie. A lot like other movies that we've talked about, like Who Killed Captain Alex and The Mac. Like there's something about this movie that I love just based on the hutzpah of the people who made it. Sure, like they were truly experimenting in a world of animation and in filmmaking. That not only did they have no experience in, no one had any experience in it at the mm-hmm. time. And the fact that they made this movie, and that it hangs together as well as it does, is honestly tr- remarkable to me. So let's get into the spoiler section of the film. Uh, as, as always, we encourage people, especially when we we're both recommending the film. Absolutely. We encourage people to experience movies for themselves with uh, relatively free of spoilers. Uh this is mo- a movie that doesn't
1: really hurt from
0: having spoilers, I think. No, no. I the, think the plot is fairly straightforward.
1: Uh the plot will sound like an idea that a like a especially clever six-year-old came up with. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, so it, it's <laughs> like you like a six-year-old comes up to you with
0: like a comic that they drew and they're in your like you flip through it and you're like, this is surprisingly good. But yeah. like it's still by a six-year-old.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much what the movie feels like. I think that's accurate. Uh, the film opens with... Maybe not in 1982, but sure. now this feels... I, I think I wrote something like this where <laughs> <laughs> about evil computers and... Sure. Uh,
0: this is special. It, it does feel it at times ahead of its time in a very dated way. Because when I was a child in the 90s, there were all sorts of narratives about people going into cyberspace. Yeah, I grew yeah. up with Digimon. And constantly in this... Because I don't think there's really a word a name given for the computer world in this so i just kept calling it the digital world which is the name for it in the digimon universe in the new movie they in tron legacy they call it the grid uh in this original movie there are a lot of different grids so that doesn't make any sense Yeah,
1: everything's a fucking grid everything's
0: a fucking grid in this movie gridsville baby (laughs) grids mania
1: gridsville population clue
0: (laughs) (laughs) i live here i am clue uh, the film opens with an outline of the title character Tron forming out of geometric shapes. The title appears as the film makes the same visual connection hackers made between the city skyline and circuit boards. Yes. Uh, we see an arcade named Flynn's uh, where patrons are playing a game called Light Cycle. Yes. It's an old style arcade where they have like the big game cabinets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie was so inspired by video games that Michael Lisberger, the guy who wrote and directed the film, actually brought thinking somehow that it would inform the actors characters he brought a whole ton of actual game cabinets to the set okay and they were just off uh camera all the time
1: and this caused massive delays i'm sure (laughs) because the actors wouldn't stop playing the game i'm sure jeff bridges was just stoned 24 7 like just like yeah. No, man. I just got I just he I I got to get the power pellet, man.
0: I got to <laughs> Jeff Bridges is the one who told the story in the documentary and he said that he would just tell them, "Hey, I'm preparing. I'm 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 getting my character ready. <laughs> this is part of my character."
1: But yeah. Meanwhile, Bruce Boxleitner <laughs> is trying to crawl inside a computer. <laughs> he he's cracked open a fucking Commodore 64 and he's just trying to step into it. <laughs> His just his trailers, just filled with broken computers. The
0: most method of actors, <laughs> our Bruce Boxleitner, the most Canadian non-Canadian man ever
1: ever the, born. Oh, uh, I thought he was from He's From Illinois. He's from Illinois, Elgin, Illinois. Anson Elgin. Ansel <laughs> Elgin, Illinois. Uh,
0: known for ruining West Side Story adaptations. But anyway, uh, so uh, we see an arcade named Flynn's. They're playing a game called Light Cycle. Light
1: Cycle is probably the most iconic image from the... Oh, 100%. Uh, you have definitely, you have probably seen this reference somewhere. Yes. Light Cycle is... I
0: called it a gussied-up PvP version of Snake.
1: Yes, that's basically yeah. what it is. Yeah. The Light Cycle's are little... Uh, Little motorcyles. fancy motorcycles, yeah, and like
0: the bat pod in the Nolan Batman
1: movies, they wherever they drive, they leave a solid trail, and mm-hmm. your idea the goal is to get your opponent to drive into either their trail or your trail, yes, so yeah, again, like
0: like the old uh the old computer game slash uh, cell phone game when I was a kid, S- Snake, uh, where you, ex- except in that one, you're trying to avoid your own tail. And this and one, eat apples.
1: There are no apples in e- Light Cycle. There
0: are no apples in Light Cycle. You know what would have fixed this movie?
1: Apples. Apples, yeah. There, mean, are app- no, there are no apples anywhere in the world of Tron. You want to hear
0: a terrible joke that sure. I just thought of? An apple a day keeps the script doctor away. Oh. Yeah. So, now that I have made everyone turn
1: off... <laughs> <laughs> now- Now I want some weird, like, reverse movie where (laughs) the snake from Snake, like, possesses somebody. Oh, my God. And now the snake is in the real world, and he's like, I can just eat apples. (laughs) Tell me I can just fucking eat all these apples, and, like, I don't grow.
0: No, he eats... No, because he's possessing this this guy, he eats the apples, and the
1: human, like, grows. And, (laughs) like, it becomes this horrible body horror thing. It becomes a crossover with human centipede. (laughs) Where every time someone eats an apple, he connects a new person oh, with the centipede. Oh, God. Yeah. And then it zooms into the game. In- into the game. And, and we see these... In my
0: opinion, far too early introduces the main conceit of the film. Which
1: is that... this is where the Toy Story thing comes in. Yeah. that that What happens inside the computer? What happens when we're not looking? Right. They're all real people. Every program's a person. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. That is... It's just fucking Toy Story, dog. That is literally Toy
0: Story, which... Also, made broke huge ground when it came to like
1: uh, new avenues in CGI animation years later. And another great wrinkle that could have done this movie, spoilers, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because
0: we're already in the spoiler
1: section, but this is jumping ahead. Sure. But since Flynn knows that he's inside the computer, yes, Tron could have been like the Buzz Lightyear, where it's like, although I guess. We'll get into the ramifications of the reality of the computer world Yeah, it's it's, a, it's... it's muddied. It is... It's muddy m- as shit. The
0: very definition of a whole thing. But, yeah, so inside computers is an entire world where each individual program is a sentient form of life. Yes. But it's... But this is just an arcade
1: cabinet, so it's like... Yes. Every time you play it, it's a video like game... just
0: another movie that ripped this off, Wreck-It Ralph... Uh, Every arcade game is its own thing, but like they all connect into this grander, uh, scape. Except as opposed to Wreck It Ralph, where you're inside the game and you're just in that part of the world, and then you have to like transport out to get to the central hub of the Wi Fi. In this one, you just kind of keep walking past where the end of the game is and you're just in somewhere else. Yeah. It's all, it's literally like a landscape, it's a whole thing. Uh, by the way, uh, there are a whole bunch of different artists who worked on this movie. I, I have their names. One of them was Mobius. Notes, but One of them was fucking Mobius.
1: Ah, uh, Mobius, famous French comic artist worked mm-hmm. with uh Hodorowski. Did, did he did he work on Dune? The the Hodorowski version
0: of Dune that never got made? I
1: think he probably contributed something. Like it feels like he must have. It
0: just it seems like a lot of those illustrations seem like him. Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, Mobius huge huge in the comic scene oh, and like the art comic scene. Uh
0: infamous for uh giving silver surfer junk in his version of the silver
1: surfer i wonder if he also consulted on matilda Mm. this kangaroo needs balls
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know it's a very french move it's a very french (laughs) move to give the kangaroo balls i must say but But
1: here's my question like since this is just an arcade cabinet Mm -hmm. as we're about to see one of these light cycle riders dies
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the very first thing that we see inside this world is, again, the guy's playing Light Cycle, so we see that's our avenue into this world and we see a light cycle duel happening and we pretty see that cool. inside the light cycles they're actually being piloted by programs yes one of the light cycles being piloted by some unnamed program who seemed pretty scared and the other one is being piloted by one of my Sark. favorite actors of all time oh my god
1: david warner david warner this role david, so hard
0: david warner is uh, all of my favorite actors are character actors yeah. because they're the best kind of actor and david warner absolutely He's been one of my favorites since I was a child. He kills every role that he's in, and he plays the villainous Sark, who is not the main bad guy, but he's like the Darth Vader to MCP's The Emperor. But he's also voicing MCP. Yes, he is. And he's playing the real-life baddie. David Warner is also voicing MCP. Triple role. And he's also voicing a guy in the real world, which there is a reason for that, and I will get into that later. But yeah, he's he's playing uh, Sark, and he kills this other program in the game, which I guess So does which the raises arcade... so many questions. Yeah,
1: because there's no internet connection. Yeah. So how is it connecting with the NCOM mainframe? Right. And also is the arcade cabinet just generating a digital life every time and then murdering it? No, we find out later that these
0: programs are being reassigned from other areas. No, I get that
1: in the NCOM mainframe. Right. But In just this arcade cabinet... Right, because of course in the 80s they wouldn't have
0: connected to the... uh, Yeah, they're not...
1: Flynn will say later, like, 8 million quarters are going into these machines. Sure. MCP, we will find out, is an octopus, has a wide reach. It does. But it does... Not enough to siphon programs to every single light cycle machine or space paranoid machine or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. Yeah. in the country
0: as we have entered the the world i do want to touch very briefly as briefly as i can i'm 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 giving myself an ultimatum here on the look of the movie I cannot describe the look Just Google Tron
1: 1982.
0: Really just Google Tron. There is nothing in the world that looks like Tron.
1: I will describe Sark's outfit. Uh, Okay. Uh, Sark's outfit is hilarious. It is hilarious. And it's amazing that David Warner does such good work in this fucking Teletubby suit.
0: That's what I love about classic Doctor Who. You get to have these incredible uh, British actors giving incredible work while... On the silliest sets and in the silliest costumes you've ever seen. And that's exactly the David Warner we're getting
1: here. Basically, everyone's in a gray leotard. That has, like, uh, neon piping. Blue if they're a good guy. Red if they're a bad guy. Sometimes. Yeah, there's some fucking muddied visual storytelling. Yeah. All the good guys look okay. Like, it's not the coolest looking thing in the world. Because it's dudes in leotards. Mm Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, the no. bad guys look like they're in like combat sweatsuits.
0: They're trying to mimic that stormtrooper thing
1: of having the, the bad guys be like faceless. But uh, they're armies. not faceless. We see the face, we see their faces, but they're like weirdly puffy and mm-hmm. not intimidating. They almost look cool. Sark looks like Ronan the Accuser.
0: Oh my god. That while he has like... his
1: period <laughs> and does not feel like getting into like. His super tight outfit, so he puts a sweat outfit on, but it still has mm-hmm. the hood and everything. It has
0: the hood, it has these uh just these fucking crazy like antlers uh on on his head that look like they're in the wrong position somehow.
1: All the bad guys look like they should be from the Wizard of Oz. Yes. Yes,
0: and Wizard of but Oz But like a
1: cyberpunk Wizard of Oz. Yeah,
0: and, and Wizard of Oz actually Wizard of Oz is a great Comparison point for this movie. True. I read more that uh, they were more inspired by Alice in Wonderland, but Wizard of Oz feels more right. I mean, they're
1: both basically the same thing
0: uh for the sake of argument we'll say yes the idea for this movie came from again like i said before michael lisberger who was trying to experiment with a new form of animation technology uh he obviously he wanted to work with cgi Mm -hmm. uh the idea there was an idea to make the entire movie cgi but they quickly learned that that would be impossible with the kind of cgi that they had at the time they could only do geometric shapes so the light cycles are cgi the ship's that the bad guys fly, called the recognizers, are CGI, and all of the landscapes are CGI, but the actual people are uh, actors in suits who were shot against black backdrops. Mm -hmm. Apparently, originally Sark was supposed to be played by Peter O'Toole, Mm. but when he arrived to set and didn't see a set, he
1: got very confused and walked away. I can understand that.
0: Nowadays... Uh, hearing that a bunch of actors never saw the set that they were on is commonplace
1: hearing that actors don't have the full fucking script
0: oh yeah is all yeah unfortunately also very commonplace but the actual the actual process that makes that gives tron its its most unique look is something called backlit animation where which was used a lot in commercials in the 80s and michael lisberger's most of his work up until the point when he made tron was in commercials doing animation for commercials the idea was that you would animate something that had keyframes that you would remove and then you would film a light source shining into the camera. Mm. And that's what all the the neon sections that you're talking about are. They created suits that would work the same as backlit animation and added that stuff in. Most in the 70s and 80s in television commercials this was all over the place being used to make Coke logos glow but they decided that they thought it would be cool to make a story with it clara
1: peller says where's the beef her eyes glow her mouth glows yes uh years
0: before years before they this movie was actually made they came up with a character tron which they just named because they thought he looked electronic yeah uh and they didn't know what the story was going to be until michael lisberger saw the game pong and said that's where my character lives this is the way that he tells it. We're in this world. We've we've seen what it looks like. We've seen that Sark is this evil dude who kills this program. Another question about this opening thing. The guy is playing his video game. Mm. So he's supposedly yeah. recording controlling the light cycles, but in but, universe in inside the digital world, we learn that no
1: Sark is like top dog. He's like the yeah. best of the best. So the,
0: it's... the programs control the light cycles. It's it's not made clear if the guy playing the game is, con- is supposedly controlling Sark or if he's controlling the other program. It's just not made clear at any point. So I don't know what the relationship between the games inside... And the 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 literal user who's playing the game
1: is this is what Artron would solidify and clear up. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. This is what younger generations are for to right the wrongs of the past. <laughs> and the
0: biggest wrong that we could write yeah. the the most the biggest, most worthy of our energy and time
1: the biggest wrong that we can <laughs> write.
0: Two trongs don't make a right.
1: Oh, uh, but strong yeah. turn my favorite film franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yes, so this is. But it the, the, turns out the digital world is in is is in a trouble. There's an evil gigantic program oh, called there's the, Trouble in Computer City. There's trouble in Computer City, uh, known as the Master Control Program or MCP, rules the land with an iron fist. Uh, his lead enforcer is Sark, played by David Warner saying some of the least David Warner-sounding dialogue I've ever heard him say.
1: But David Warner can't not sound like David Warner, so... Very true. Like, everything, he sells everything.
0: Oh, he sells everything. It's just, it was very funny to hear, because normally, of course, he has that great... Voice. He has a great Shakespearean gravitas to him, and normally I
1: need a microchip. I'm so hungry.
0: Normally, he he he's delivering all these great speeches, like in Batman the Animated Series, playing rachel al Ghul, and in this one, he's saying, "Sure, I'd love to go up against those guys. Nice, <laughs> nice. I love. I I'll never get the image of David Warner going, nice, out Leroy out Jenkins." <laughs> My God, it would not be out of character for Sark to, <laughs> to, to do something like that. No, Sark's too calculated for that. Sark is Sark is a Sark is an interesting character. He's great. Yeah, but yeah. So it's established that MCP uh, uses these video games in this arcade as a kind of gladiatorial arena,
1: and also as sort of like a death camp because like the yes. programs that he is. We learned that MCP is branching out and taking over a lot of other databases and mainframes and stuff like that. And the programs he doesn't need that are not useful Mm -hmm. get sent to the gladiatorial pits. But it's like, why not just delete them? Yeah. MCP. all,
0: All of the programs that he takes in, that he decides are useful... He he. Basically, he acts like them. he acts like the thing uh, from the thing. Like he he absorbs them. They still are around with like red instead of blue. Yeah. Uh, that's how they turn red because MCP is red. But he there's a lot of stuff with color changing. It becomes very important later. But whenever he doesn't like you, yeah, or if he decides that you're you are religiously or politically not aligned with him in a way that's dangerous, he'll send you and yeah to to these cells to be kept and somewhat trained and then send out to die in these gladiatorial arenas so it is basically based on the the way that christians and political dissonance and just captured soldiers from other armies were put to work as gladiators in rome christians much less so gladiators they were just thrown into to be lion chow yeah. but
1: still mm, it's lion it's, chow.
0: it's very much based around that sort of like roman thing yeah roman
1: culture thing and this is something i wish they had leaned into a little bit more this is cool yeah like i I wish we would have gotten more game stuff
0: i i agree i think that the movie really again really trips up by spending a third of the movie's runtime in the real world. But we, well, we'll I'll talk about it when we get. We'll to it. We'll get them. to it. But yeah, so he he's throwing political dissonance into this to fight to their deaths for his a, amusement. Uh, he tells Sark that he's going to soon throw him some Air Force programs to give him a bigger challenge. Uh,
1: strategic Air Command, which I believe yes. uh, is part of NORAD. Against oh. like nuclear, I believe. Oh, okay.
0: So he's, he's going to send them some of those people who are so good at it's, tracking Santa every year.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, he's just, it's just going to become the movie War Games.
0: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That that Yeah, that comes in a bit. Yes.
1: Uh, sorry. Strategic Air Command, responsible for Core, Cold War command and control of two of the three components of the U.S. military strategic nuclear strike forces. Gotcha. Okay. And, of course, in the 80s, during the Cold War, that would have been, everyone would have gone, ooh. Yes. Yeah. No, big deal. But now we don't have to worry about nuclear war, Billy. You
0: know what? I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy to live in the time that I live in and uh, to not have to worry about that. Uh, But, yes. So, uh, one of my favorite scenes of the film comes up at this point. We meet two computer programs. That have been arrested by MCP for their religious beliefs. It, they in the program in the program world in the digital world, programs who are who express belief in their users, the people who wrote them and or use them from day to day, yeah. uh, are considered to be religious. That's a religion that you can have in this world is to believe in the users. There are two characters that we meet here. There's there's Crom and Ram crom uh, says
1: crom uh, the god conan worships i was
0: yes crom <laughs> i've never played
1: you before i do not <laughs> have the stomach for it and it's this crom yes. an accounting software
0: yes crom identifies it he says i'm a comp-. he says i'm a compound interest program for savings and loan my user the brand is a branch manager mr henderson uh, and they're like ah oh, great another religious nut as they throw him into the cell uh, and we meet ram who's 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 there, and he he kind of consoles crom and and tells him about like where they are, and they kind of talk back and forth, like, do you really believe in the users? you think they're up there? Why aren't they helping us? That's that yeah. sort of thing. you know, and i i it was um that was an element an early element of the film that really kind of knocked me out. I was not expecting this movie that has such a reputation as being this overblown sort of like uh, spectacle fest yeah to have anything going on yeah like any all. sort of
1: lore any sort of world building but like but that
0: was really smart like yeah the no way it's, that they, it's
1: interesting i wish yeah. they would have done more with it i wish it would have been more consistent
0: there is more stuff in the movie but it does absolutely trip over itself at a certain point that we'll get yeah. to yeah and I, I wrote down that the the program the, the digital world is almost sort of I, th- I don't know if this is intentional, but kind of depicted as an almost idealized version of a Christian society where every pr- every program that we meet knows exactly what they've been designed for, what they've been created for, their calling, sure, and feels the most fulfilled when they are fulfilling that calling. And the evil of MCP, uh, aside from the fact that he's just generally evil, is the most evil thing that he's doing is that he's pulling these programs out from where they're supposed to be. And forcing them into
1: other areas which do not suit them. So you think Tron is the newest testament?
0: Uh, I think that there's a bizarre amount of Christian symbolism in this movie.
1: And it really revitalized your faith in Christianity and really... uh... It, was, I don't it, was, know. Uh, it gave
0: me a lot to think about. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, you want to no, talk to
1: your dad about Tron? I
0: actually literally did. I called my theologian dad and was like, Dad, i got to talk to you about Tron. <laughs> have you heard the good word about Tron? <laughs> dad, have you heard that all that is seen needs to extend beyond itself into the unseen? But yes. Uh, dad, this isn't happening. It just thinks it's happening. <laughs> So yeah, MCP is obsessed with overtaking the whole, basically just the whole internet itself. Uh, they've been expanding their program into system after system, and absorbing uh, programs or sending them to the arcade to die. I, I wrote down that the the plot idea is actually kind of ahead of its time in and of itself just because of how many software companies and, and digital in the digital space are desperately trying to be every other kind of program that you could want. Yeah. Like, when Snapchat came out, Facebook and Instagram, and everybody suddenly had their own Snapchats. Yeah. But yeah, abruptly and upsettingly, uh, the movie just cuts back to the real world.
1: With the title, In the Real World.
0: In the Real World, yeah. It's literally called In the Real World, uh, where we meet Flynn, the owner of Mm -hmm. Flynn's Arcade, in his office. And even though at this point in the movie, Flynn does not know about the digital world, supposedly... He is having a full-on conversation with a program that he created, mm-hmm. uh,
1: named Clue, which and this is the basis. We we talked about Tron Legacy
0: a little bit. We did yeah. not
1: talk about the other Tron sequel, Clue, <laughs> the murder right. mystery movie. Yes. Uh, in which
0: clue was recast and played by Tim Curry exactly right yeah 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 no absolutely fantastic movie the mu- the must the much superior sequel yes to Tron Legacy but yeah so Jeff Bridges the original Flynn part
1: was actually written for Robin Williams and, I think I read that yeah and Disney when Disney got, Disney was came like, no, this man needs to play a genie in 10 years. <laughs>
0: exactly. And Disney came on board. Originally, the movie was going to be a much more of a of a farce. Oh, and terrible. D- yeah, and Disney was like, no, we want, bizarrely for Disney, they say, we want you to lean more heavily into the religious subtext, and we want this to be more serious. Again, probably hoping that they could get more of the Star Wars Bucks, because, yeah. again, in the back half of this movie, or the back hour, but the I think of it as the back half, this movie becomes way more Buck Rogers- but anyway, yeah, but yeah, young Jeff Bridges got the part because Jeff Bridges thought the movie
1: sounded crazy and he wanted to be a part of it. Sure. Sounds like Jeff Bridges. Yeah. So Sounds like you could call Jeff Bridges up and be like, hey, there's some shit going on behind this dumpster. And be like, <laughs> all right, man, I'll be there. All right. He man. won't even ask what dumpster. He'll just go to any dumpster.
0: <laughs> the weirdest moment in the behind the scenes stuff that I found is just a bit where they're interviewing Jeff Bridges and he pulls up his tron hat from his costume he's just like oh, i didn't have to t- i didn't tell you this yet but i wear this at least once a day i like how jeff and Bridges, get- nicholas cage yeah and i can't get too close to a computer or else i'll just get sucked in like a magnet <laughs> it's just
1: so just so goddamn high <laughs> just constantly constantly just like- high <laughs> just constantly high Uh, (laughs) i like to imagine he puts on the hat (laughs) goes out to his yard and just like throws a frisbee as far as he can (laughs) goes back inside oh my god i hope so i hope he plays every every day he gets like 10 frisbees delivered to his house (laughs) he has to come to the door
0: with his hat on
1: uh but yeah tron
0: man you (laughs) remember tron uh clue is a program uh that's been designed by flynn the the best
1: program in the world
0: the reason why programs in this movie are played by the actors that play their users uh, according to michael listman is because he lisberger lisberger thank you uh he realized that uh so much information was being stored in computers he reasoned Artistically, that programs created by people would then somehow like gain a fingerprint based on the information that they had in the well, system. Well, they're of made themselves. in the image of their creator. again, exactly.
1: feeding into the Christian theology Another, of this film. Exactly, you should write a pop uh, theology book about Tron.
0: I absolutely should, uh, but probably one probably already exists. Uh, maybe, but yeah, uh, most of the programs in this movie mostly act like people, like kind of arch people, but they act like people. Uh, Jeff Bridges has decided to distinguish between Flynn and Clue. He's going to play Clue as Johnny Five.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he <laughs> has this great, dumb, nerd voice for yeah. Clue. <laughs> just for this sequence. Yeah. Later, uh, Clue's going to get captured. Yes. And then he's just going to be Jeff Bridges. But yeah. for right now, he's just like, yes, yes, user, I will do that. Yeah, exactly. He's,
0: he's just like, now, Clue, I really need you to get I really need you to get in here.
1: Yes, sir, I will, I will do this, sir. Yes, sir, I will do this, oh, sir. Also, there's a bizarre detail. Where Clue drinks some glowing yellow drink.
0: Yes. And I'm like,
1: why? What is that? <laughs> what the fuck is that drink? What What is going are- on? Why does... He Flynn. gotta he gotta have that surge, <laughs> but no. It, that, oh, he's drinking his Jolt Cola. He's, gl-
0: he's drinking his gl- Jolt cl- Cola because
1: Flynn is a hacker. Y- true, he's the yes. original hacker. He's the original
0: hackers. Uh, the, the glowing wa- the glowing liquid actually does get explained later. But again, if you oh that's
1: right, if Power. you don't
0: know about it in, in the beginning, that's what Just we're looks saying. Like he's
1: drinking glowing
0: piss. The yeah, the movie does. Yes, really... master, I will drink this piss. <laughs> The movie absolutely helps with repeat viewings because they throw so much at you in the, in this opening. Yeah. You don't have time to you absorb it. You really have it.
1: to meditate on Tron. You do. You have to call
0: your theologian dad and have a really long conversation about it. You have
1: it. to call up the Pope.
0: You have to call up the Pope.
1: Say Pope Frankie too, <laughs> And ask him if he's seen from. Is he Frankie Trump. too, or is he just Frankie? I don't know. I think he's just Frankie. Okay, let's say Frankie. But yeah, apparently Bridges
0: greatly preferred playing Clue to playing... <laughs> really? ...to playing Flynn. Well, uh, yeah, because
1: he got to do a character. He wasn't just playing yeah. himself. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, I can act. I can act like a computer. Yeah.
0: Doot, doot, doot! He almost literally <laughs> just go like, beep, boop, I am <laughs> robot, man. Uh, but yeah... <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's what computers sound like, man. That's I talk to a computer. <laughs> that's exactly. Uh, the your, first your, podcast, your impression
0: is much better than mine. The first <laughs>
1: podcast was Jeff Bridges talking to his Apple II, and he's doing both voices like, "Feed me a floppy disk." <laughs> okay, man. Okay,
0: I think you. I think
1: you need to Jeff stop smoking tie sticks. Uh... Hey, man,
0: <laughs> you back off, man. You back off. Uh, but yeah, so Flynn is, is trying to get Clue to to break into some sort of system he's and get some information. Break into the Encom
1: mainframe. Yes, he's looking for something. Uh, but MCP calls down the thunder. MCP calls down the thunder, and he sends out the recognizers. The
0: recognizers, which are essentially the Tie Fighters of this universe.
1: Do you think they're called recognizers because game recognize game?
0: <laughs> oh, that's layered. <laughs> um sure we'll say that sure that's ways that
1: definitely did not exist that definitely did not exist
0: in 1982 or the many years it took for them to make this movie beforehand uh speaking of which one of the biggest problems that the director had with making this movie is that he was he had never directed a live action movie before which i think explains a lot and he was so used to being able to control the performances of his actors because they were all drawn by him he was terrified directing oh no. actors because he knew that he could only shoot them a couple of times and then they were gone forever.
1: Well, luckily. He could
0: never go back and, like, re-illustrate things as he normally would.
1: Well, luckily, Mr. Bruce Boxleitner mm-hmm. was on set to be super nice. <laughs> super nice? I'm sure. I can only imagine. <laughs> it's the only thing that I can I can imagine, like. Just yeah. coming up behind him, yeah, silently, silently, hands on the shoulders, <laughs> really digging in his big gloved hands, yeah. being like Steve. Steve, let me tell you an Illinois saying about stress. <laughs> yeah, and then
0: I'm sure he said something very wise, just very, very wise and thoughtful. But yeah, uh, so yeah, Clue is 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 found by the recognizers. He had there's a whole bunch of stuff that's that's introduced here and that comes like a, back later. So we'll talk about it and like a little tank. This is one of the most confusing things about the movie for me. Flynn keeps talking about tank programs, and Clue is in a tank. He even ref- He's having this conversation with Clue. He even says, like, okay, keep rolling in that tank. Yeah. And he, later on, when he finds out that a lot of these tanks have been requisitioned by MCP, he says, I shouldn't have designed so many tank programs. And I'm like, what you the fuck
1: is this? Yeah, like, you don't make... <laughs>
0: You would line, make a tank
1: program, and that yeah. program would make tanks. Sure. You wouldn't make an individual program for each tank.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, man, I shouldn't have made so many tank programs. This is the
1: muddy shit. Now this to, is the shit that does not really To be fair, the the, parse.
0: Cre- the creators of the film did do a lot of research about computers about when they tank were making programs. it. programs? Uh, maybe. They are about making computers, and they there's a lot of little references throughout the movie that I didn't fully understand, but I know are there, and... But they, they did say that they didn't want to be, like, accurate with the movie. They just yeah. wanted to take the real-life science and then make an
1: artistic interpretation of it. Sure. But But still, there needs to be an internal logic.
0: And a lot of times there is. But then every once in a while you get stuff like tank programs and my brain just falls apart.
1: But uh, also, I believe... I'm not 100% sure. It's been a while since i played it. I believe... Well, there's some Tron references in Saints Row... Oh, okay. Especially, uh... Especially Saints Row 4, but also Saints Row 3.
0: I imagine game designers fucking love this
1: movie. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just seems like it.
0: Uh, but yeah, uh, Clue also has a pet named Bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, which and is... Bit's like Navi from Ocarina of Time. Yes. Yes. Essentially, Disney again
0: wanting to make to ape the success of Star Wars was like, well, we need an R two D two. So that
1: bit is a thousand times worse.
0: Oh yeah, no, way more annoying, much more like Navi
1: than R two. It just and, repeats either yes, 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 yes or no, 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 no.
0: Yeah, no, they're trying to make like a cute little pet, and it they. It's so clearly tacked on. It only exists in this scene and in one other scene and in both scenes there's no explanation for why it's there or what the fuck it's doing. And as far as I know by the end of the movie it is fully dead.
1: I hope so. (laughs) I sincerely hope so. I wish we got a scene of Sark just like putting a fucking bullet (laughs) through whatever the fuck that would have been so it has for a brain that would
0: have been so dark and awesome that would have been, like he just
1: snatches it out of the fucking yeah, air yeah and just like just throws spikes it to the
0: ground every time a character dies in this movie that's it, they refer to it as derezzing and they like glow really bright and then disintegrate so you can just have him grab it out of the air and then just like stare at it with hatred and it like glows and disintegrates in his hand it would have been so cool uh, yeah Clue can't find what he's looking for and it is caught by a recognizer if you haven't seen the recognizers they're basically
1: big arches Yeah, with
0: the bottom parts kind of move, so they can like grab you and
1: take you away. He's blasting away. He's just fucking taking down these recognizers. He's 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 trying
0: his best, but he he gets he gets caught in the end. Uh, Now here's where there is a bit of a problem at this original opening part of the movie. It gets better later, but in this opening bit of the movie, this movie took so long to make and was so expensive. The process for making this film was intense, but. Originally, in the designs, the good guys were yellow and the bad guys were blue.
1: Right. Which they is why cha- Clue is yellow.
0: Yeah, they changed it at the last second to make the bad guys red and the good guys blue, but they had already shot some scenes and done the process for those scenes. And because this movie was made literally scene by scene to try and get like whatever money they could mm-hmm. to finish the project, mm-hmm. they ended up just not going back and doing those scenes over again, which is, you know... Bit sloppy.
1: Yeah, it's going to get real sloppy here in a bit.
0: Yeah, but that's also why in the opening, as in the opening light cycle fight, uh, Sark is driving. Yellow. A, yeah, Sark is driving a blue cycle instead of a red cycle, which you would
1: expect him to be driving. Red cycle back to menstruation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A lot of menstruation symbolism in this film.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah,
0: M C P, despite the fact that he has outlawed belief in the users, he knows that the users do exist. Yes. Uh, and, in fact, he has a more direct relationship with the real world than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, he
1: talks to Dillinger.
0: He After he tortures Clue and eventually kills Clue but can't get any information out of Clue. And
1: Jeff Bridges, while he's being tortured, his yep. scream is Clue is something else. Like oh, my God. It's so good. It's
0: <laughs> The death of Clue is, like, haunting.
1: Oh, that's my favorite Shakespeare play, The Death of Clue. <laughs>
0: It's Wait, like, no, hold on. Let me do that again. Let me do
1: that again. Okay, do it again. That's my favorite Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Death of Clue. Oh, uh, I like that.
0: I do kind of now want, though, like they did They did the Shakespeare version of Star Wars. I kind of want Shakespeare yeah. version of Tron. <laughs> or, or a Poe version of Tron. That'd be fun, too. So, MCP, upon not being able to figure out what's going on through Clue, but suspecting that it's MCP
1: Glenn, walks outside... He mm-hmm. takes a deep breath, yes, and he gets real high, <laughs> and he screams at the top of his lungs, What's going on? <laughs> but no, he summons his user, Dillinger. Dillinger also who, played by Dr. David Warner.
0: Also played by Dr. David Warner. Just a funny thing, I thought uh, Bruce Boxleitner in the behind-the-scenes material was talking about... Did he seem nice in the behind-the-scenes? He the scenes? did. He seemed very jovial and fun, yeah, and someone who... Bruce Boxlander, by the way, will come in later. Uh, he's He plays a couple of characters in this film, including the title character, Tron. We've already talked about him a couple times, so I'll just talk about him now real quick. He's he's a great actor. He's a very much like a TV actor. He doesn't yeah. have a lot of big stuff to his name. But he's a nerd king forever, because not only is he Tron in this movie, but he's also Captain John Sheridan in uh, most
1: of Babylon 5. I've never seen Babylon 5. It, I know it's J. Michael Straczynski. Yes. I know it's sort of a Trek yes competitor
0: yes it is uh what little i have seen of it is really good i haven't seen any of his stuff i've only seen season one where Mm -hmm. they had a different captain and then then that actor was so clinically depressed he had to quit the show oh i'm glad that's
1: how that sentence ended yes
0: no he he was able to come back in later episodes to finish his storyline but he couldn't maintain couldn't A long running schedule like that, so Bruce Boxleitner was brought in to replace him. Do
1: you think he was depressed because he knew he wasn't as good of an actor as Bruce Boxleitner?
0: I, I, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're right. I hope so too. I hope that is not the case. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and Bruce Boxleitner is. He does. He does come across as this very sort of jovial kind of guy who's like, hey. I don't have the biggest career in the world and I'm really grateful for that people know who I am at all. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, he told the story about like saying that David Warner was a very eccentric actor. He did not elaborate on that, which I really wanted him to. But yeah. He did not elaborate on it. And then
1: he just said David Warner would just bring a bag of hair to set <laughs> and he'd just munch on it between takes. Just munch. On,
0: this is delicious hair that I have here. But no, he 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 said that uh, it was funny because he was so intimidating playing that character, and he was. Ju- but in real life, he was just the skinniest man I've ever met. Here, like, I
1: don't know what you mean by that, Bruce Boxlight. <laughs> when when David Warner he comes in on a cool red neon helicopter. Yes, very Tron inspired
0: uh, helicopter. But
1: then we see him stride into his office, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that David Warner is of average height. I think so. But the man has such presence that it feels like he evolved to eat apples out of the tallest branches of the tree. Like, he seems like seven feet tall when he walks into this office. He
0: does have a very. I don't know if it's
1: just because he's so real thin yeah. um, or he, what. He does have a very
0: Christopher Lee esque gravitas to him. Yes. For those who don't maybe know who David Warner is, most people know him best as the evil butler in uh, Titanic sure uh uh, billy zane's butler i think that's his most popular or most famous role anyway so imagine like he managed to take a butler and make him seem like the terminator in that movie so yeah no he's he's very intimidating i
1: just poor one out for david warner Mm -hmm. i just started to google david warner and above uh, in the suggestions above david warner actor Mm -hmm. is david warner australian cricketer. wow (laughs) Or cricketer, I guess. Uh, yeah, no. sure.
0: I, I like the term cricketeer, though. I like it's, it it's, better, too. It's jauntier somehow. I, if I ever meet a, a cricket player, I'm calling
1: them a cricketeer. Do it.
0: It's like the Rocketeer, except cricket.
1: He was also in Time After
0: Time. Yes, he played uh, uh, Jack the Ripper in that.
1: Yes, yes. I don't care for Time After Time. I haven't heard good things. That makes sense. But it's yeah, not a good movie. He plays. Uh, he's. Oh, he's in a Pam Anderson movie called Naked Souls. He's he's one of
0: those character actors who has like done a lot of work to. Ooh, pay he's the in bills. a movie about
1: Masada. Ooh. Oh, that's right. He's in Company of Wolves, a movie that we will almost definitely cover. Awesome.
0: He's also... Which Star Trek is that? The Undiscovered Country. That's right.
1: And Cast Deadly Spell, another movie we will cover at some point. He's an actual... And he like was in, in The Mouth of Madness.
0: That's right. Yes, he played the psychologist. That, yes. We have talked about David Warner before. He also his fav, You know what his favorite role is, though? Mm, Hamlet. <laughs> he did play Hamlet, but no. This is apparently true. Uh, from what I've heard, David Warner's favorite role he's ever and gotten to play. And he was in
1: Necronomicon. That's
0: right, yes. But David Warner's favorite role he ever got to play, the lobe in Freakazoid. Oh, that's fun. Because he got to do a musical number uh, based on Hello Dolly called Bun- Bonjour Lobby. <laughs> and he cannot sing to save his life, but man, is he having fun in that that's scene. That's all that matters. He's that's having all that matters. so much fun. But yeah, uh, Dillinger's the CEO of a company called Encom in the real world. Flies in in his helicopter. He walks in and is just, despite how intimidating David Warner is, the minute he's in that room and activates MCP and starts talking to MCP, he is
1: MCP's bitch. Yep, he is fully MCP's I, bitch. I love their dynamic.
2: It's great. It's great.
1: It's really great. It's and again, here's where a better movie would have leaned into this dynamic more. Like, would have would have sort of built more of this aura of like the emasculation that fuck i've completely lost control
0: yeah the emasculation that dillinger faces in the face of mcp what little we get of that dynamic in this movie is fantastic absolutely and honestly despite this movie's problems and despite how bizarre the script can get in parts especially during the live the the real world segments quote unquote uh there's a full character arc for David for oh, yeah. for Dave all of David Warner's characters <laughs> together. <laughs> David Warner acting against himself very compelling. Yes. Uh so yeah, Dillinger is one of the few people in the world, the only person that we meet who is aware of the alive nature of MCP. Mm-hmm. He is fully in the pocket of MCP. Uh he does he makes all these decisions that honestly truly hurt MCOM as a company just because they help they help MCP. Yeah. He's fully uh, endorsing MCP's illegal activities because he's like, but the program needs to exist for its own sake. It needs to do what it's going to do. <laughs> Who would I, I, win? I, yeah. MCP or Ultron? Ooh. Um just because I I truly <laughs> no. I truly despise James Spader as Ultron so much, I would love to to see David Warner as MCP kick his ass.
1: Better question, yeah. Who would win in a fist fight, <laughs> Hank Pym or Barnard Hughes? <laughs> Who will find out is the co-creator of MCP. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> By the way, yes. the password for MCP when David Warner is logging in. I did not register this. What is it? Master. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: oh, man. I never put their... In my head, I never put their
1: relationship into sexual terms before, but that's absolutely what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I was more pointing out because it's the worst fucking password. It is a terrible for compu- password for a program called Master Control Program.
0: That is also true. That's very. It's basically. It's just like now. What's my
1: AOL password? AOL
0: <laughs> one two three four five. Amazing. That's a password I have on my luggage. Sex. <laughs>
2: God. That's right.
0: And password. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So MCP tells him that he's not sure who's hacking into his system, but it felt
1: like Flynn. Mm. MCP knows when Flynn's inside him.
0: Dillinger says cryptically, still looking for that old file which will come up later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: MCP is a, says that he's appropriated the file Phil wants and stored it in his memory, so he can't find it. But Dillinger still decides to shut down all access to MCP by anyone except himself mm-hmm. until he finds a more permanent solution to the Flynn problem. Which, of course, means that none of his employees can do any of their fucking work. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And here mega uh, megastar Bruce Boxleitner is about to enter. So,
0: uh, we're introduced finally to, after we've talked about him so oh often... Oh, God, the
1: man, the myth, the legend. Bruce Boxleitner,
0: the nicest man from Illinois. Bruce Boxleitner is playing a character named Alan Bradley, who they have tried so hard, despite... Uh, uh, Bruce Boxleitner's uh, sort of, like, rugged, uh, sort of G.I. Joe good looks. Yeah. They've really tried
1: to nerd Sounds him. Sounds like you're really crushing on Bruce there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they, they've tried to nerd they've, him up a lot. They put glasses on him.
0: They put these thick 80s glasses and they gave him, like, an horrible comb over to really it's try not a comb over he's not bald no but like they just they it's, gave a, it's
1: a side part
0: it, it's it's a really nerdy side part sure like it's, it's designed to make him but don't to, to make him look as like just weedy
1: as possible don't Again, slander my clo- close personal friend <laughs> bruce Boxlightner. there's
0: something about the name bruce Boxleitner that just makes your mouth shut down it's <laughs>
1: I can get to Bruce Box, and then something happens where I have to be very, very careful about how I say the man's you
0: name. You didn't even get to Bruce that last time, though. You you got to close. <laughs> it's uh, by the way, I did already mention that Bruce Box Lightner is is popular because of Babylon Five. Another uh, actor from Babylon Five who does not have a l- big career outside of it is Peter Jurassic, who plays Ambassador Londo Malari, who's a huge character in that show, and he's the actor who plays Crom in this movie.
1: Oh! I did see the actor named Peter Jurassic, and I was like, yes. that's not your real name. <laughs> no, it's fully his fully his real name. Oh, damn, I wish that were my name. Also, not Peter. Just Jurassic? Mm-hmm. Brad Jurassic? No, not Brad Jurassic. I don't care for Brad. Oh, okay. Um, Jurassic Hefner? Gavin Jurassic. <laughs> I can that's see a that. sexy ass name, Gavin Jurassic.
0: Well, go. You gotta find out if Peter Jurassic will adopt you. Well, yeah, that's the <laughs> only <laughs> way my name could become Gavin that's Jurassic. The only way.
1: Then I have to get confirmed, and yes. I have to choose Gavin as my confirmation <laughs> name. <laughs> Exactly.
0: That's that's what I, that's what I that's what I understand. That's it to the be. only
1: way to get your name changed. The only way is to be adopted by someone with the last name you want, <laughs> and then to get confirmed.
0: Proud to be an American.
1: Uh, but yeah, uh, and since we're talking about it anyway, uh,
0: since I brought Crom Ram from that scene with with Crom earlier is played by an actor named uh, Dan Shore. Who uh, is also in this scene actually?
1: As as uh, oh, Alan... is the Andy Dick looking motherfucker? The who Andy asks Dick about looking the popcorn. motherfucker. Yes, Alan Bradley gets up to, he, to we go. Get, we get an establishing shot of his popcorn maker. Making some popcorn. Making
0: some popcorn. He gets upset because he's trying to work on this program he's designed called Tron. Yeah. And he can't get in because, because. of Dillinger's shenanigans. Yeah. So he goes to bitch out Dillinger. Oh, well, no. Way Dillinger to... summons him. That's true. He, he summons He summons him. And so he goes to, to bitch at Dillinger. And as he's passing by a cubicle, like two cubicles back, uh, we have Dan Shore pop up with an, as an unnamed character, I'm pretty sure. Probably. He's just like, oh, can I have some of your popcorn?
1: <laughs> uh. A very small detail. There's a great matte painting in the back of this scene it's, of cubicles yeah. stretching on into infinity. Yes. It's a great detail. You see it for 15 seconds. Loved it. It's a great
0: detail. There's some amazing matte work in oh, this. Oh, I miss
1: matte paintings. I miss matte paintings too. But no. yeah. Uh, I, I was talking about my friend, Matt Paintings. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Yes. I met yeah. Matt.
1: He's lovely. He is lovely. Yeah, yeah.
0: We should we should have him on the show.
1: Absolutely. But yeah, Dan. Dan hey, Sh- did someone say my name? Matt oh, my paintings. God!
0: it's matt
1: oh no i'm having a heart attack <laughs>
0: oh no matt uh, well the
1: episode's already running long that's oh, okay oh no matt paintings is dead we don't <laughs> have time to uh we don't have time for bits uh
0: <laughs> we only have time We don't for have bits. time
1: to save my dearest friend matt paintings <laughs> we only have time for the bits in this computer matthew bartholomew paintings <laughs> R.I.P. See you at the crossroads.
0: See you at the crossroads, Matt Bartholomew Paintings. But yeah, Dan Shore is best known for playing Billy the Kid in um, uh, Bill Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, cool. Yeah, so yes, Uh, Alan's program, Tron, is a security program meant to monitor contacts between NCOM system and other systems, which, of course, will really harsh... MCP's buzz mm-hmm. since it's trying to invade all the other systems in the world, including the Pentagon. Including the Pentagon, as it explains in a later scene. But yeah, MC- MCP is expanding its program outside of the system. Alan gets so frustrated by Dillinger just not hearing him out, that he decides to go vent his troubles to his girlfriend where she works in the Laser Bay. In the Bay. Laser Bay. <laughs> oh, man. Not just the Laser Bay, but Laser Bay 2. Oh, man. <laughs> they like... have at least two Laser Bays in this fa- in this video game company.
1: <laughs> it's well they're also doing other shit clearly yeah they, they develop um,
0: software and also lasers that send you into the fifth dimension i would
1: love to go vacation at laser bay
0: laser bay florida
1: yeah it just be this <laughs> this uh resort that's all like 80s sci-fi themed oh my god and i'm kind of obsessed with this <laughs> it would also be a great jimmy buffett song <laughs> they're one of those getting pl- disintegrated in laser bay they're one of those places. i don't know what else i have to say that have i'm just a pile of ash can you lend me some cash they're one of those places that have those water
0: uh, water slides that are fully dark but have all those laser lights and yeah. everything full of them that'd be great
1: laser bay would also be a great vacation spot for cats
0: Oh my god, yes, yes. All of the lasers Except for Except for the
1: bay part. Except- the water part, not so great. Not so great. Uh, laser department. landlocked uh, <laughs> municipality.
0: Thus enters one of the most annoying scenes in the movie, where uh, Dr. Laura Baines, uh, girlfriend to Alan, and Dr. Walter Gibbs, played by Cindy Morgan and
1: Barnard Hughes. Mm, Barnard Hughes, Grandpa from the Lost Boys. Grandpa
0: from the Lost Boys, and the the old uh, father who runs the school in Sister Act 2, the superior of the Sister Act sure. movies.
1: Sure. Uh, mm. Barnard Hughes apparently changed his name from Bernard, Bernard, mm-hmm. Bernard uh, Hughes on the advice of a psychic.
0: Yeah... The interviews with Barnard Hughes in the documentary are the only ones weirder than the interviews with Has he gone like
1: full Colonel Kurtz where he's just not making sense?
0: No. He just he 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 compared the experience of making Tron to being in the army. He said, I didn't understand what was going on, but just like President Eisenhower, I I I trusted that someone in Disney wasn't gonna let anything bad happen to me.
1: It was um, not a psychic, it was a numerologist. Oh, even better. Because Barnard Hughes is a scholar.
0: <laughs> he, he said, I didn't understand thing one about that movie, but I, I went to see it with my daughter, and uh, and I said, oh, well, I, st- I watched it, I said, I still
1: don't know what this is, but the kids seem to like it.
0: <laughs> Which I thought is the best review for Tron ever. I like how
1: your impression of Barnard Hughes as Corky Sinclair from Waiting for Guffman... <laughs> kids sure do like their Tron lunchboxes. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh,
0: w- yeah, but Barnard Hughes has a sort of career of playing, like... Kooks. Yeah, very, uh, adorable old Kooks. And he plays this sort of, like, mentor role. But all of his... Di- and he says everything in this very sort of charming, whimsical way. But all of his dialogue is just annoying, mansplaining bullshit. It's it's so... Mm, it's so I weird. I mean, when he explains to... He, Laura? He literally explains to Laura in this scene. What they're doing. What they're doing. She says, well, here goes nothing. He says, yeah, interesting. Interesting. You hear what you said? Here goes nothing. Actually, what, we're changing something into
1: nothing. It's and a back matter, again. It's a matter of transference thing. They're teleporting an orange or some dumb shit doesn't really matter this is just technology that's gonna suck jeff bridges into the computer
0: it's even better because cindy morgan just as an actress clearly does not give a shit about what's going on she comes off as bored throughout the whole movie so it's even better because you have this like this guy overly excitingly mansplaining her job to her and she as an actor she's going "Mm mm-hmm sure yeah mm mm-hmm yeah absolutely cindy morgan by the way best known as uh lacey underall from caddyshack the movie spends way too much time trying to explain how jeff bridges is going to be sucked into the computer later just have him fall down a rabbit hole we get it
1: as we know from the 80s and 90s people get sucked into computers all the time yes the science is just ubiquitous it's
0: like that john mulaney bit is like movies led me to believe that quicksand was going to be a much more common problem <laughs> than i than it actually is but uh but interesting note the term for being sent into the digital digital world in this movie is digitize mm-hmm. which has become the common sci-fi term for stuff like this sure ever since but yeah uh dr gibbs says in the future people will stop thinking and people will stop thinking and programs and computers will instead great in the year 2525 uh, Lauren and Alan compare notes. Laura figures out that the person breaking into NCOM system has to be Flynn, her mm. ex. Oh, Which her am- ex what?
1: <laughs> her ex plumber. Oh, yes. In the- that's why he's so good at video games. He's Mario.
0: In the in the Ben Ten sense, they travel through space fighting aliens.
1: I don't know what that is.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's Billy's random reference for the day.
1: Sure. Uh, one day it's Pingu. Today it's Ben Ten. They figures <laughs> out it must be. I was thinking about the Matilda honking noises today. <laughs>
0: Just, you haven't stopped uh, hearing them in your uh, sleep since that episode. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, which is more annoying? Huh, huh, or yes, no, 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 yes, 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 no, no, no,
1: no. Well, no, I hate Bip more than I hate Matilda. Yeah.
0: I, I just more feel more sorry for Matilda than I do. Yeah. <laughs> Matilda is
1: ultimately being explo- exploited. Yeah, um, she's a victim. But yes, So uh, they they go to uh, recruit their Han Solo.
0: Yes. Mentioning Flynn immediately causes Alan to just become an absolute shitheel. Just being so mean to her about, they,
1: why do we have to talk to your
0: ex? But they go to talk to Flynn. Yeah, at his
1: arcade Flynn's. At his arcade Flynn's. This is we, his Rick's place. Just,
0: <laughs> the movie really feels like it wants that to be the case, though. <laughs> uh, I know you're joking, except, but like, it really feels of, like that.
1: Except instead of Humphrey Bogart uh, cultivating this place where the lost and the damned can congregate, Flinch just has a place where he can have sex with his 14-year-old employees. <laughs> uh, Is the yeah. vibe I got from the he minimal interaction we see. To be clear,
0: because of the kind of movie that we watch a lot of... Uh, that's not established as
1: a thing that Flynn does in the movie. That's just
0: a vibe that we pick up.
1: Yeah. In fact... He does talk to one of his very young-looking employees, mm-hmm. and she puts her, like, like caresses his arm a little bit. I didn't
0: pick up on that, but I believe that it happens. Uh, Flynn, yeah, Flynn, we, we see him just surrounded by admirers. In he's... His- he's-
1: going the distance on his vidgie
0: game he's going the distance uh we uh, he 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 absolutely kills it whatever game he's playing we don't see what the title is but he's i
1: thought it was space paranoids
0: he's shooting uh the recognizers that's all that we see i think it's space paranoids space paranoids is one of the games he designed as Mm -hmm. we find out later but yeah flynn uh, later on and uh they they follow
1: laura and alan follow flynn up to his office sorry so go ahead there is one detail in this arcade i love sure go ahead there is a random like it's very busy it's, it's extremely, extremely busy. busy. Yeah. it's an early '80s arcade. Yes, there's a very elderly couple in their Sunday best, just wandering around, <laughs> like the fucking couple from Mulholland Drive. Just like right, just like just with the same like ghosts, on smiles sort of that they have in the specters, whole drive. And I was like, oh no, you have the dementia, and you just <laughs> wandered into the blinking place.
0: <laughs> I did not. Like, that's another thing I didn't pick up on, but I. Fucking oh, I clocked that. it
1: first watch. I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? I love that. That's so good.
0: They follow Flynn into his office. Which, which is, is
1: just his upstairs bedroom.
0: Just his upstairs bedroom. is covered in tribal masks for some reason. Flynn has one of those MCU scenes where they just randomly take their shirts off to show yeah. that the actor got cut for the role and then put a the shirt back on. I don't know if he
1: got cut for the role. I think Jeff Bridges was just cut at the time. He was just a
0: very young, he's attractive not cut, man. He's He's just yeah. thin.
1: He was cut for the 80s. Sure,
0: he doesn't. Well, well, the early '80s. He's not Arnold, uh, but he's he, he he looks good. There's a lot of like dick measuring between him and Alan this is very annoying. Yeah, uh, Flynn says that he's been hacking into NCOM because he's trying to get evidence for the fact that, as I said at the top of the episode, he's the real
1: designer behind all of the games. Base Dylan... Paranoids, Vice Squad. Yes, another thing. <laughs> but there's like five to eight games that David Warner just stole. Didn't change the names of.
0: Yeah, didn't even change the names. He just he just fully stole the programs and and uh, released them as his own and that allowed him to become the, the senior vice president in charge or
1: whatever they say his title is in the movie. Senior executive vice president, I think.
0: That's right. Because Flynn says the wrong title and then when he learns the real title it just makes him even more mad. Mm-hmm. Apparently he even opened the arcade simply out of spite because he's like, I'm going to make some money off of this. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: by God, I'm going to ball those high school students. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Flynn's uh, kind of a total
1: douchebag. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He, he's sort of the Han Solo, like yes. I said, the, yep. the Han Solo sort of scuzzy dude. He's definitely but he's also be... a hotshot. Oh, yeah. At least outside of the computer world. Yes. Outside Inside, in a curious inversion. Yes. Someone else takes charge. I will say one thing
0: that I do like better about Tron Legacy than this is that. Um, Jeff Bridges' character, uh, Flynn, being able to handle himself in the digital world is explained repeatedly by him being just good at computers and good at video games, whereas in the new one, they establish that the new main character, who is Flynn's son, is uh, like an action man and can do all sorts of stunts and flips and shit, which just makes more sense because they're not... He's not playing video games in the digital world, he's running for his life. I yeah.
1: got a message for the action man. Ooh, do, do, do. I'm happy. I hope you're happy too. Sorry. That's anytime okay. I hear the phrase action man. I have to do that.
0: I know. You are legally required. I am,
1: by the David Bowie estate. By that was part David. of his will.
0: By the David Bowie estate. But Laura and Alan agree to help Flynn break into NCOM so he can get a more direct connection bypassing the block that Dillinger's put up. And why do
1: they want to do this?
0: They want... I think... You don't know, do you? No, I don't. Actually, now that you mention it, I don't actually know.
1: This was a second rewatch thing. Where the first time I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. No, this is how movies work. They they got to move the plot along, right? And now I'm like, I guess maybe Alan wants Tron back or something. Well,
0: we know that Flynn want. They know we now know- that Dillinger is breaking the law, but we, as far as we know, we don't know. Well, as far as we know, they don't know that MCP is trying to take over the world. Exactly. So, and he, there's even a line where Alan says, "My Tron program could stop him," and we're like, "Stop him from what? Like it? Mm-hmm. it it's not designed to find evidence of of video game forgery. It's designed to stop and uh, MCP from connecting to other systems without
1: authorization. That's." No, it doesn't make. It's a huge plot it, hole. It's a
0: gigantic plot hole, and I hadn't really put it together until just now.
1: And now here is the heel turn, where I come not as a friend of Tron, but a foe. <laughs> I was the Inquisitor all along, and on trial is Tron. Uh, there's a brief cutaway to.
0: There's a couple brief cutaways to a scene where Dillinger and Doctor Gibbs are having a debate about the purpose of MCP as a program, yeah. whether or not it should be fulfilling user requests like any computer program should yeah, no. or should just be like I don't know doing its own thing because yeah, Dillinger just, keeps
1: insisting it needs to be just a malignant tumor that just <laughs> keeps growing but the uh, no this is what computers are for <laughs> I've invented a box that just does whatever it wants <laughs> yeah and and uh, once again, it's
0: that sort of like that sort of Christian ideology of fulfilling one's calling, what one was created
1: for is the highest good. Is Barnard Hughes the aslan? I think of uh Tron?
0: I think it's more like he's the the prophet. He's okay. he's, he's the John the Baptist. He's of Tron. Sure, yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah. Well, let's, All right, let's it with that Billy, way. Enemy of Islam, goes on record saying <laughs> Barnard Hughes is the Prophet Muhammad. Oh my God, oh no, 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 no,
0: okay. Uh, but yes, uh, it also the, the important exposition that gets turned up here is that Dr. Gibbs and Dillinger started this company together in their garage. Yep. Uh, Dr. Gibbs tells Dillinger that even if he and Alan were removed from the company, their spirit would remain in mm, what they created. The ghost
1: in the machine.
0: Which kind of makes sense if you view this as a Christian allegory, but if you view it as like just literally what the plot is, it makes no sense at all. It's I mean, such it sort a, of does make sense such a because, clap back.
1: because the programs look like the users and there's...
0: Yeah, but he doesn't know that the, that the programs are like that. But it. he like feels it. It's like jazz.
1: It's like... It's like it's, Tron jazz. That's
0: an actual line in the sequel that Jeff, Jeff Flynn is like.
1: I was just... It, back then, we were creating so much cool shit. It was like digital jazz, man. <laughs> uh, oh, I just want to hearken back real quick to... Uh, <laughs> Alan refers to Flynn as a space cowboy <laughs> when they're up in his bedroom. Oh my God! He a does. space cowboy working out of a back room. Uh, speaking
0: of which, very soon after making this movie, he and uh, Jeff Bridges made his collaboration with John Carpenter, Starman. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to people who have seen There's it, Starman waiting in the sky. Uh yeah and, and, and according to people in the documentary they after working with him on Tron they watched Starman and were like he's playing clue again. <laughs> so apparently we got to watch fucking Starman. I
1: guess it's always been on my radar. Uh just it's just cuz weird... I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah, you he love does Tom his Carpenter. Jeff Bridges thing very well. Uh, if you don't love Jeff Bridges, then that mileage only takes you so far.
0: That's very true. There's then a scene the only, uh, with an awkwardly gigantic door that I yeah, have to get I through. Guess, the you... only reason I mention it is apparently the sequel thought this was the most important scene of the movie, as it is one of the only things from this movie that is referenced in the new film. Weird. Is this one scene where there's a giant door, and it takes way too long to open, and Jeff Bridges quips... Yeah, that's a big door.
1: And for some reason, Alan is put off by that statement.
0: Yeah. In real life, apparently, this was filmed at a laboratory right next to a sign right off camera that said, Caution nuclear waste spillage and all of the actors were super nervous the entire time
1: as they should be yeah uh they all saw the conqueror <laughs> and watched john wayne die of cancer on screen that's what happens in the conqueror right i can the only Conqueror is cancer i can only imagine that that's exactly what happens like the, in the radiation and monument valley was so bad they, they would just it was a documentary about radiation poisoning
0: imagine making a movie about Genghis Khan and setting it in Monument Valley. What a, what a fucking turd that movie is. Anyway. Uh, uh,
1: so the reason they're breaking in is because if they go to Laser Bay 2, yes. they can use... Uh, they can use the station that Laura has yes. to log in and bypass... Directly, and he can get them even in more advanced security, mm-hmm. and they can do... yes. And he, he can re- achieve his goal of getting proof that his ideas were stolen, and they can assist the plot moving assist forward assist get Spock's Katra back and from the Genesis planet Alan is going off to do something yeah, he, somewhere he
0: goes to his cubicle so as soon as he gets access to Tron he can get Tron on MCP's case and we get to see him going back to his a new angle of his cubicle where we see that there's a sign that says Gort Klatu Barata Nikto.
1: Yeah. Which, which I I'm thought was sure was a fun reference in 82. Yeah. Now, after Army of Darkness, it feels sort of.
0: Army of Darkness has killed that reference. Yes. But in 82, that's still charming. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and there's also, as Brad referred to earlier, there's a scene in Dillinger's office where MCP tells Dillinger hey, I'm going to invade the Pentagon this week. Just so you know, FYI, I'm invading the Pentagon. By the
1: way, girlfriend, I'm going to take over the Pentagon.
0: And it, essentially, we we realize that the plot of War Games is about to begin. And this is the moment where Dillinger, the, the relationship between Dillinger and MCP is at its strongest. Where Dillinger <laughs> says, it's it's my fault. I, I programmed you to want too much.
1: Maybe you shouldn't have programmed him to want at all. Yeah, Maybe and, that's a bad feature. And uh, MCP literally just tells
0: Dillinger, go home. In the morning, I'm expecting you to teach me Mandarin.
1: (laughs) Bye, Felicia.
0: Basically, yeah. Which I found strangely endearing that he was just like, tell, he told Dillinger, by the way, tomorrow I want to learn a new language.
1: Yeah, you need to get a module or something to and yeah. uh, jack into MCP's overdrive or whatever the I fuck.
0: imagine that all programming is essentially exactly like it is in The Matrix, where yeah. you just like jack something into the back of whatever a computer's neck is, and suddenly it knows Kung Fu.
1: It doesn't exactly. have hands, but it knows it. Do you think MCP likes ICP? What is ICP? Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I
0: think ICP is MCP's favorite group. Great. I think every time he hears them say, fucking magnets, how do they work? It brings a little digital tear to his eye. Well,
1: because magnets are the enemies of computers. Exactly. That's exactly so it. He doesn't. It's this horrifying monster that. How do they work? How do they work? We don't know. Where do they come from? It's a Lovecraftian
0: uh, demon to computer people. It is. Does so she,
1: Laura leaves. Jeff Bridges at her terminal. Yes. And she said, Don't spill anything. And I got no other reason to bring this up except the sense of memory was so strong. I just immediately pictured Kurt Russell playing chess in the thing against the computer i was like
0: what you didn't get why brad's laughing is that when he made that reference i just i pointed violently at my notes to be like i did the same thing (laughs) i actually like i came up because like uh, later on in the movie it is revealed that mc all mcp was to begin with was a chess program was the evil that men do (laughs) exactly it was a chess program originally created not by dillinger Because Dillinger is a very uncreative person. Yes. But created by Dr. Gibbs. And so I'm like, that one, that strengthens the connections to war games so much but also i was like what if mcp is the chess computer from the thing (laughs) and uh and it was mac is that his character's name i believe so Uh, Uh, macready macready that's it macready poured his whiskey into the into the machine cheating bitch calling it cheating that caused it to go insane (laughs) and it somehow lived though and observed the events of the thing was like that's a good fucking idea. And, <laughs> and decided then, to do the same thing to the computers of the world.
1: And then in the reality where uh, Tron and Flynn do not defeat MCP, yeah. MCP goes on to become Am from I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Uh,
0: I fully buy that. I Honestly, that is definitely the path that MCP is going down in this yes. movie.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, I got... The sense memory was so strong, I forgot that Jeff Bridges was not in the thing. And I was like... <laughs> Oh yeah, this is just like when Jeff Bridges did that in the thing. I was like, "Wait, no, that wasn't Jeff Bridges. That was Kurt Russell, another '70s heartthrob of Disney."
0: <laughs> the the funniest. I kept thinking about Kurt Russell through this movie because Jeff Bridges' role in this movie is such a Kurt Russell role. It is, especially in the last in the in the actual like digital world segments where he is sidelined to make room for a new main character. Yeah. I kept thinking of the way... I haven't seen this movie, but the way people have described the plot of Big Trouble in Little China to me... I need to show it to you. With with Kurt Russell just being like the main character, but also fully not the main character of the story. Yeah. It was similar to that... Dy- or at least as my understanding of
1: that dynamic. So, Jeff Bridges is hacking away. He's hacking away. And, and MCP comes on and he's like...
0: Laser Bay 2 is extremely badly designed because her... Terminal is right in the path of the laser that it's yeah, supposed to control. That's
1: a good point. <laughs> in front of the disintegrating laser, we're really yeah. picking apart this this
0: first half hour of the movie. I want to really reiterate once again: we really like this movie. There's just a lot of like problems, especially in this first half hour where it gets really muddy. But like, we do really enjoy. It. We this this is like. We're picking at this with love.
1: Sure. Uh, but yes. Um, MCP comes on and is like, I can't allow you to do that, Dave. Yeah, almost almost exactly. And he fucking reverse dot matrixes Jack Bridges into computer land. Into computer land where we see the first...
0: Uh, well, we don't see... This, not the, this should have been the first view yeah. of the digital world. And there's this incredible montage of what I assume to be... Uh, Al uh, Flynn's journey through the digital space to yeah. land in the digital world was just like this montage of these incredible fucking CGI generated map paintings with just this incredible stuff that is truly insane to think about anyone in 82 doing this. Yeah. For context, the most anyone had done with CGI, especially the people working on this movie before, Were again, commercials, like, little bumpers at the end of things of, like, PBS and viewers like you, that kind of shit. And then they come up with these incredible images in this film. This movie is so fucking gorgeous to look at. Yeah. It's kind of unclear what things were designed by Mobius and what weren't. One thing that were definitely designed by Mobius are the
1: costumes. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Which
0: also add to the whole Roman thing because many characters in this universe, not all, but many, including Flynn, who arrives in the digital world already wearing uh, one of these suits, uh, have togas attached to their suits mm. to further uh, connect that sort of Roman Empire thing. Flynn arrives, furthering the Christian metaphor, now like Jesus, fully God and fully man at the yes. same time, fully programmed user and, and fully program. user. Uh, he arrives in in the in this world uh, and is immediately father have uh, you
1: forsaken me man
0: <laughs> Ex- yeah amazing but yeah he's, Forgive he's immediately these these
1: dudes they don't fucking understand <laughs> this is very much the energy that uh,
0: Flynn gives off <laughs> in this movie i will say that the other thing that this movie has a lot of connection to aside from christian imagery is just Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, John Carter, that whole, like, action man from our world is transported to a strange alien world that's ruled by an evil despot, and he has to fight in a gladiatorial arena. Yes. It's basically a subgenre that's existed for ages now, Mm -hmm. and so I might be very much reading too much into the Christian imagery. It's definitely there, but I might be meeting it, I might be seeing more, just because my brain works the way it does. Maybe. Maybe. We see our first look at probably the ugliest effect in the movie. After Flynn is arrested, uh, Sark goes to talk to MCP. Oh, you don't like the effect for MCP? I like the effect for MCP at the end.
1: Okay. The effect that we get here is so, uh, sort of, uh, oh what the fuck is the head's name in Power Rangers? Zordon. Zordon.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. A little, like, imagine if Zordon. <laughs> it's were like made a vector Zordon. A vector Zordon. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you can tell that, like, this is one of the moments where you can really tell that CGI was not where it needed to be for them to make the movie that they wanted to make because it's doing that thing that, like, sometimes you'll still see in some bad, badly done CGI movies where the effect is on a on a chroma key background. And we're seeing David Warner, the back of David Warner's head, looking at the screen, and the effect is like jittering on the screen. Yeah, they're just they're having a little bit of a hard time keeping the the thing inside the aspect ratio, especially when the mouth, the lip flaps are happening. It's just kind of an ugly effect, and I don't think it gets to where they wanted it to be. Gotcha. But basically he tells Sark, I have somebody new for the games, and Sark's like, is it that fucking Air Force program that I wanted? And uh, MCP says, no, we're never going to bring that up again. Instead, I have brought a user into the system because I am so powerful, no one can touch me. Mm -hmm. And this scares the shit out of Sark. Well, yeah, it should. This is some metaphysical shit he was not ready for. Yeah. MCP shows that he can make... He can make David Warner very slowly limbo outside of his own control if he doesn't do what he says. And he says, what if I take away your your power relays or something? And David Warner gives the funniest line read he has in the whole movie, where he leans back and says, no, I need that!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Stop, I need
0: that! But again he's selling David it Warner. it's just a very silly line and
1: it, he's in a very silly costume oh my god and he's doing a very silly
0: it. physical move that he's been told to but make but I'm
1: just I just mean in general he's wearing this costume and he fucking yeah. kills it it's again if you put fucking da- it's like if you put David Warner in a Teletubby suit <laughs> Like it's just it's more Ronan the Accuser, yes. But the the overall quality of the softness of everything, yeah. is very Teletubby. It's very it's very Power Rangers to me. Like it's very sort
0: of like uh, David Warner is that one villain in every Power Ranger season that's like original to the American footage as opposed to being taken from the Japanese footage.
1: So, uh, Flynn is led to a cell where he meets Rom.
0: He meets Rom, and he also meets Tron, despite the fact that there is a scene coming up which is an introduction scene to the character of Tron where he meets Tron... The movie makers forgot about that because they were making the movie scene by scene, and so in this scene, he also meets Tron. Yeah, uh, Tron is in the cell that Crom uh, used to be in. What happened to Crom? He's still in the movie, but I did, but apparently got moved. But yes, uh, Tron's character, as as we said earlier, was written based on Kirk Douglas's portrayal of Spartacus. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner, uh, again, he has this very sort of, like, square-jawed thing. Mm. He does a really good job of unironically playing a very traditional sort of, like, clean-cut square jaw hero in this movie. Uh, And he, apparently, he he has that look that looks so strong that a lot of his other work outside of sci-fi stuff has been tv movie westerns okay and he actually read through the whole script of tron while riding a horse
1: he's just riding a horse reading tron and see s- that seems like something a nice person would do <laughs> doesn't it? that seems like how nice people read scripts <laughs> the nicest people read scripts on horseback yeah uh Pro- he's probably on a beach the sun was probably setting sure for the hour it took him to read the script the hour
0: and he he said he did not understand the script at all and was going to say no because he just didn't know what it was and then he found out jeff bridges was involved and was like oh this is a real movie like
1: oh i need a plug
0: (laughs) yeah it's like absolutely i'll I'll, (laughs) i'll figure this out sure i can i i can make it work but he said he actually for the record he did really enjoy making the movie because he comes from theater And unlike Peter O'Toole, he really enjoyed just
1: acting against nothing. He was like, hey, this is fun. This is great. Um, Ah, nothing. The foe of oblivion. Allow me to face it head on.
0: (laughs) Uh, Flynn is confident when he he finds out that he's going to be thrown into these gladiatorial arenas. He's confident he can play video games better than anybody. Mm. And again, this is the only explanation about how he's going to survive, even though that makes
1: no sense. Because, well, no. This is the consistent logic of being sucked into computers. Right. Is if you're good at playing a video game, you automatically have those physical skills. I guess Every that, time. Yeah. That Every is, time. Yeah, you're That's right. That's the trope.
0: That is the trope. Yeah. That is the trope. Oh, well. But yeah, uh, Flynn is, isn't in his cell for two seconds before he's immediately pulled right back out of it again. Yep. And brought with the new recruits to be hazed by Sark. Uh, Sark has this big ship, which I don't think is ever named, so I just called it Sark's Star Destroyer. Sure. Because that's basically its role. Sark's Ark. Sark's Ark. I like that. I like that a lot. Sark's got his Ark, and he's on his Ark, and he's yelling down at all these people, and he says, you're going to die unless you renounce your belief in the users. Then you might become part of our elite guard, I guess. Uh, They're each given a special frisbee.
1: A, a, a literal fucking whammo frisbee. Like,
0: it literally looks like they went to like a dollar store no, and I mean, grabbed they, a frisbee. They,
1: it's literally just a fucking frisbee.
0: It's not even one of those things like where the actors like try and give it more heft or anything. Like they treat it exactly as it like a like a plastic thing.
1: Like they paint it. There's like a concentric circles on it. Yeah, but and it's, they do it's the same just thing. Just a fucking
0: frisbee. They do the same thing that they do to their suits. They they add that sort of uh, that chroma key element that they make to make it glow. But yeah, it's just a fucking frisbee. But no, 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 no. It's not a frisbee. As it's David an identity Warner, disc. David Warner very seriously explains it's an identity disc, and it records everything that you go through. Is this important? No. No. It becomes important for one pivotal scene later, uh, but it's a very underexplored element of the movie. They did try and explore it more in Tron Legacy, but they failed because they completely forgot everything that happened in the first one.
1: I have decided against a Tron remake, and now I want a Tron HBO series like Westworld.
0: Honestly, I'm fully on board with that. Like,
1: there's a lot of shit you can explore and flesh out, and, like... Because there's so this many, movie, it, it's there's so cool many f- awesome fucking ideas. Like, yeah. the idea that Tron is a champion of the gods. Yes. That regular-ass programs, like accounting software, is being sent to do something outside of its programming. And
0: One of the best things about this movie, it's such a small choice, but it's so brilliant. And it, it, again, I've, I've tied it back to the Christian imagery, but even just, like, divorcing it from that, just looking at this movie, every time we see a program talk about what it's made for, they light the fuck up. Yeah. Like, they you can just see they are so happy Absolutely. to be talking about the most boring shit you've ever heard. Like there's a scene later where uh, Ram just gives a whole sales pitch, essentially, about insurance. Yeah. Because he's an insurance actuary program, and he loves that shit. And then just that idea, it, they react to your Toy Story comment. They yeah. react to their... They're programming like the toys in Toy Story react to being played
1: with, and like with their users. Like they believe in the users. If the yeah. users aren't there, what the fuck is the point? Like right. Uh, Flynn is led
0: away, and he sees Tron, who he is told that's Tron. He fights for the users. Tron is playing four way frisbee of death.
1: I guess I thought it was he. He was in between two people.
0: He's in between four people. It's okay. a it's a it's a four. It's like a plus sign on the floor, and there's someone on each. End, okay, I'm pretty sure. But uh you think that we after both watching it twice we I, <laughs> would know. Well,
1: I recall two people, but okay. if you if you I, I'm
0: sh- you might very well be right. I can't remember seeing more than two people defeated in the fight.
1: D- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. This sequence is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We great. get some uh, for having a weapon that is literally just a frisbee. Yep. They do some cool shit with this.
0: The original test animation for Tron was literally just him throwing a glowing discus and it exploding. So they knew that no matter what form Tron took, he was going to be throwing frisbees. Yeah, and also, fun fact: another th- another cool thing about Bruce Box all the frisbee tricks that Tron does in this movie, uh, he learned to do for real. Whoa! And he actually did. There's some pretty honestly, like just once you get past the fact that they're frisbee tricks and that those that's really silly. There's some pretty impressive stuff. There's one well, you where you can't he, like, fucking do them. I can't. no I definitely can't where he like fully like it flies over his head and he just like catches it behind him and then keeps going and they're not it's not animated it's just it's actual it's just frisbee
1: tricks that Bruce Boxleitner box. it's just the fucking box going hardcore
0: yeah Bruce Boxleitner frisbee
1: master what I hope would ultimately be just as fulfilling a career for Bruce Boxleitner Mhm but like He just, like, started touring high schools and doing, like, motivational frisbee, like, routines. (laughs) Where he's like, hey, I'm Bruce Boxleitner from Tron. Oh, my God. And you can achieve anything just like this. (laughs) (laughs) He's just the Tony Hawk of frisbees. Sure, (laughs) I mean, but, like, lower rent. Tony Hawk doesn't, like... Tour high schools in the 90s being like, you don't need drugs, you just need frisbees. I guess I
0: was more thinking about the way that Tony Hawk will just like enter random skate parks and start skateboarding random teenagers. Flynn, not Flynn, Bruce Boxleitner will do the same thing, but he'll just go to random college campuses where people are playing frisbee and just be (laughs) like, hey kid, let me show you how it's done. And then just like does these insane tricks.
1: I picture Bruce Boxleitner coming up to a hacky sack circle and just like intentionally punting it. (laughs) Like, away, so he's like, oh, shit, we lost it. Guess we have to play Frisbee.
0: Bruce Fox Leitner <laughs> is the nicest guy in the world, but you get between him and his fucking Frisbee, and you will lose your teeth. <laughs> he is
1: a Frisbee zealot. Yes, he's a he... Frisbee zealot.
0: He takes Frisbee as seriously as Brad takes his harmonica. Exactly. Reference to previous episode. But, yeah, Flynn learns in this scene, of course, about the that the users have religious significance, mm-hmm. and decides to keep the fact that he's a user quiet. Flynn's first round of combat is against poor Crom. He plays against Crom.
1: playing... They're fucking playing hi
0: Is that what the sport is called?
1: It is... I mean, in this, they have a hi lie Sesta. The thing on their arm yes. is called a Sesta. Okay. It's that l- weird
0: in... little cup thing you, that you had in gym class and no one ever used. It's I mean, a
1: wicker... It... Uh, the hi Sesta is a wicker basket that sort of is like a scoop yeah Um, it's a it's a it's a more obscure sport that you don't see in a lot of movies it's a south american sport in this they are tossing the ball against a ceiling panel yes in highlight it's a wall Mm -hmm. um this is essentially
0: the the pong segment where the ball is bouncing back and forth and every time they can't catch it and it hits the platform that they're standing on a bit of the platform disappears
1: which i did not catch at first immediately yeah i was like Oh, I kind of wish I knew that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I like looked down mm-hmm. and Jeff Bridges almost falls off the edge and I was like, "Oh, he just almost ran to the edge." Sure. Um the platform is a little bit
0: darker than a lot of the effects in the movie, so I can see how you might And not it have also up on there's it. not
1: like a big difference between a missing platform and a platform that's there. Yes,
0: there's a lot of negative space
1: in this movie. Uh, but uh, but this is a fairly entertaining sweet sequence. this oh game. Yeah. I like love it, I love the games in this movie. I wish it were all games. Honestly, yeah. No, again,
0: this the they really they really wasted an opportunity by having the first half hour of this movie such a needless exposition instead of just jumping straight to. Oh, man, Flynn's on his computer. Oh, no, now he's in the digital world. Yeah. Just fucking go wild. It, it deletes part of the walk that they're on. Flynn wins this fight against poor Crom. Yep. And Crom. Crom uh, gets
1: uh, derezzed. Flynn
0: refuses to kill him, but Sark kills him anyway. Sark wants to kill Flynn, Flynn but MCP reminds him, I want him to die in the game." I want him to
1: play to death. Uh, also, uh, speaking Which of, is convenient. It's
0: very convenient, yeah. It's very sort of like dr evil what i'm gonna hang him over a, a, a <laughs> bunch of sharks with laser beams on their heads and then i'm gonna i'm gonna dip what uh but uh flynn but okay and continuing the christian symbolism by the way uh sark is the bad guy in this and is in a red suit with horns so yeah there's that flynn mistakes tron upon meeting him for a third time now suddenly makes the connection that what's your name man train (laughs) that tron kind of looks like alan Mm -hmm. how Um, do you know that name yes and that's that's how tron responds and of course he knows that his user's name is alan Mm -hmm. and uh uh, flynn corrects himself very quickly he's like oh well well well, my user oh my user
1: knows your user it's Mm -hmm. not sus man
0: uh, and Flynn's tells Tron that his user wants him to take down MCP, and Tron, <laughs>
1: Tron's like, my user wants that too.
0: Yes, all again, all of all of Bruce Boxleitner's delivery as Tron is this very sort of like this very sort of he's uh,
1: the fucking hero. He's the he's the Lone he's, Ranger. Is what yeah.
0: he is. He's like my user wants that too. Like, Which it's, again, it's great,
1: make it a series, build up that myth among the programs. Yeah. Like
0: this. Oh my God, have you heard of Tron? He's like Robin Hood. He fights for the users,
1: and then it would be more like of this. Climactic meeting between like, oh, the user in the program Mm -hmm. and the program that is the vessel of the user almost.
0: Yeah, no that that would be incredible.
1: God damn it, let's talk to HBO. Let's
0: let's get let's get fucking HBO on the horn.
1: No, Disney would never work with HBO. Shit, you're right. We're gonna have to work with Disney.
0: Fuck, damn it, that sucks so hard. Anyway. um uh, Disney, no, we definitely won't edit and then immediately edited all the Netflix Marvel shows plus. <laughs> but anyway, now it's time for the most iconic scene in the movie. Yep. The light cycle race. Light
1: cycle, gonna say it, cooler than the pod race.
0: Easily. Like, the light cycle sequence is so cool.
1: <laughs> it's it's great. It's very tense. It's so and good. And we allude to this earlier but it's stupid and frustrating in the movie where it should be all the good guys are in blue cycles mm-hmm. all the bad guys are in red cycles yes instead all the bad guys are in blue cycles yes and there are two yellow cycles and a red cycle yeah, on the, the good team
0: the good guys all have like various colored cycles but it, it's it's so like the the light cycles in the in the newer movie yeah the effects were better and they looked and they looked good But the way that they move in this movie is, like, obviously created based on the limitations of the CGI animation Mm. that they had. Like, their movements are very abrupt. But there's something about it that, like makes it feel so much more dangerous for the characters like you
1: feel it does you feel the peril yeah
0: yeah it's kind of like the way that like they couldn't move the lightsabers in the early star wars movies very much but it kind of made the lightsabers feel more dangerous yeah even though they were literally just sort of like oh man i hope this prop doesn't fall apart in my hands because
1: like you watch the light cycle stuff you think about it as a video game and you're like Mm -hmm. are my reactions like Mm-hmm. Are my fast twitch muscle fibers that quick? Like, could I do this? Could I yeah. fucking
0: survive the light cycle? And especially when you're thrown into a situation where you're literally... You you, yeah. you know, you die in the game, you die for real. Oh, man. Uh, you, that's... Yeah, I would be absolutely fucked. One of the light cycles, I guess... I'm never clear about how this happens, but I guess one of the light cycles when it's destroyed makes a big crack in a wall. Yeah,
1: just just cracks through. Sure, the
0: computer outlands. It's never happened before, but might as well happen now. We got to move that plot along. We got to move
1: that plot along. Uh, And 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 and
0: Flynn's like, you know what? What if we just drive our light cycles out of here? (laughs) (laughs) And
1: (laughs) now I'll I'll, uh, actually I'll bring this up. The biggest sticking point with this film. Is that, in reality, none of it makes fucking sense. Because why does this physical, digital world exist Mm -hmm. at all? Like, if MCP is controlling things... Like, I can understand a malevolent program creating, like, life just to torture it, almost. Sure. But, like, why also make all this digital outland? And if this digital outland exists... It just exists. How and why? Like, that's something that, like, you need to... Even if it's just a fucking uh, hand wave, where fucking Rom says like, "Yeah, this is just what the creator made." I'm going to somewhat disagree. I think that that line
0: would be great. This is what the creators. This is what the users have wrought, or something. But I, I really like the fact that the movie just says. You write a program, and that program is just a person. Okay, I, I kind of but like then where that does all the environment come from? The environment is the is the memory space within the computer where the programs are stored. Okay, yeah. So then they, they can travel between the different like sort of programs that exist within the the
1: greater space of the World Wide Web. Well, then what they fucking should have done. This isn't hard. Is like Rom even says like whenever Jeff Bridges is like oh, I don't know what the fuck's going on, man. Mm -hmm. Rom's like, oh, he's disoriented from transport. They should have had Jeff Bridges be like, oh, what the fuck is all this shit, man? Yeah. And then Rom could be like, it's the memory. It's the memory. This is the memory space that all the programs take up.
0: I fully agree that they could have been much more clear about that sort of thing. It it is probably because I've seen so many things that have aped this sure. idea. Like again, Digimon works on a very similar rules where they'll just like be traveling through the world and they'll be like, Oh, this is a section that got deleted, or oh, here's a program that works with telephones or something like and they'll just like sort of wander through it like a landscape that this idea is not very foreign to me. But gotcha. I can imagine like coming into this movie, especially in eighty two and that was basically, like, the biggest reaction to the movie in 82 was,
1: what is this? Well, in 82, I would feel it, I think it would bother me less, because I would know less about computers. Where sure. like, This is what we used to, uh, this is what I assume people imagine the inside of computers were, just like, sure. fucking vector middle earth, where it's just all this, <laughs> it's just this exactly. fantasy land. Like, exactly. it's Toy Story land, where, like, there's a whole world we don't see. But I know that's not the truth, I know it's just fucking ones and zeros, so, like, I'm like a program doesn't have eyes it doesn't need yep. to see anything so my yeah. my advanced born in 1988 <laughs> brain is like no sir that is not computers
0: i think that they're the way that they explained it their idea was just to say let's start with the absurd idea that programs are living beings and then just imagine how they would live okay i just need a
1: i just need a hand wave and maybe Yeah, in a, no, in, I, I
0: think that you're right. I think that that would help the movie immensely. And maybe
1: late. in a larger work, like our Disney Plus series, Tron. Yes, unfortunately um, our Disney Plus series, yeah. Tron. Like in that, if it were a broader work, maybe I would be able to roll with it if you sure. build up the atmosphere more, but yeah.
0: Uh, they, they escape from the light cycle arena. They they drive off. More Flynn's absurd tank programs uh, chase them as, they, as they're driving along. Mm. Uh, the landscapes in this world are insanely beautiful. Flynn and crew get away from the enemy forces, uh, and then uh, re- their light cycles. By the way, they have like the handlebars, and then the light cycles form around the handlebars. So they suck their light cycles back into their handlebars, click em, clip them, clip them to their belts, and then uh, since they're going through some more rough terrain, they they travel on foot. Yeah. Tron says he needs to get to a- the input output tower to connect to a- to contact Allen, so he can find out how to kill M C P. Because as Flynn remarks. It's only the three of them. They don't have an army, no, uh, to rent. So they have to. They they're just going to have to trust that Alan knows what he's doing.
1: One thing I do appreciate is that they didn't give Flynn like. Neo powers where you could rewrite code from inside the digital world. I mean they kind of do later, mm, kind of. Yeah, I, I mean at least that was at least the way, they don't do it now.
0: They don't do it now, but that is the way that I interpreted later things that
1: happened. Okay.
0: As we mentioned earlier, you see uh Clue, Clue drinking some glowing uh piss. piss. Here, they find a whole river of glowing piss. Oh, hell yeah, computer juice. <laughs> computer juice. And, uh, yeah, there's very little explanation for this. It's just fucking computer juice, bro. It's bruh. just fucking computer juice. Like, we, we know that energy is very important to them because of uh, the whole thing with David Warner doing the limbo earlier. But apparently this is, like, pure energy. It It's so good for programs. Even Flynn can consume it, which raises so many questions about, like, yeah. human-to-program what are they? but they they drink it and it's and it's it gives them a whole new zest on life. It even allows Tron, a character who's been nothing but grim so far, to actually laugh. Yeah, and that's a power of computer juice. The sequel, of course, improved upon this. Because not only do they have water in the sequel, but they have roast pig in the digital world. Mm. Because fuck me, I guess I don't well, know. Fuck, fuck Muslims,
1: that if that's the only food in the computer world. Uh, uh, Tron, and... Tron Legacy is specifically Buddhist. Okay. <laughs> also the Jews, I suppose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh well,
0: uh, they they get back they get back on the road, so they pull out their light cycles. They're immediately spotted again by tank programs. Uh, that blast both Flynn and Ram's light cycles. Tron assumes that they are dead and, es- and escapes to get to that input output tower. But Flynn and Ram are still alive, although Ram is severely wounded. I just wrote a note. This movie is so fucking pretty. <laughs> Flynn realizes. Uh, Flynn gets uh, Ram's body to a to a hiding spot. And they're just sort of there. And this is the moment I was talking about. Flynn realizes that as a user, and again, this isn't a moment that's really explained. This is just my interpretation of what happens. As a user, he can affect fundamental changes in the world around him. I assume through rewriting the code Mm. of the world around him. But it's not really shown why he has these powers, but essentially he has the powers of Jedi in the Lego Star Wars games where he just sort of like takes the bricks of things around him and then builds other shit.
1: Well, that's I think that's a hallmark of all characters in the Lego games that you control.
0: I have only played the Lego Star Wars games and the Lego Harry Potter games where characters would already be moving things with their minds, so I didn't know if Lego Batman could do that, for example. Yeah, he does. He does do that? Yeah. Okay. What he does is he takes the hiding spot that he and Ram are in, he takes it all apart and turns it into a recognizer ship. He doesn't do an especially great job, as no. his, his recognizers all falling he's apart. Too fucking high. He's too fucking high to do it, man. He uses that, and they fly off. And at first, it looks like they're going to get away, but Ram has been too badly wounded. He dies oh. in Flynn's arms. But just before he dies, he correctly guesses that Flynn is a user and asks Flynn to to, to win one for the Gipper.
1: In our in our Tron series, we'll have yes. to explore the afterlife of programs.
0: Man, yeah, what what their beliefs? Because they they do definitely they go to a, a trash can at least for yeah. the recycle bin first, and then but they what go are to they the recycled place. into? Ooh. The recycle bin
1: has the uh, the fundamental ideas that is becoming something else.
0: Mm, yes, they're they're, and
1: then, they're which is def, very much into the Buddhism aspect. The of Buddhism letters.
0: aspect of reincarnation: energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Uh, it can only be recycled. Uh, Tron breaks into the tower and finds Yori, a program, I assume, written by Laura because it's played by the same actress as Laura. Yeah,
1: here's the question I have. Yeah. Does, does everyone... Is it like us where everyone in the world has a counterpart sure. in the digital world? Is it only people who make programs? Lori isn't nec- Laura isn't necessarily a programmer. Mm. She's an engineer. She's a laser scientist.
0: She's just a laser scientist.
1: Now, in the movie itself
0: there is no explanation for why the programs look like people in the real world. And so you're kind of left to just assume that it's like a Wizard of Oz situation where that's just what happens. But I only know about this sort of thing where it's supposed to be the users and the programs looking like each other based on behind-the-scenes material, I found. It's Mm. not really explained in the movie. No. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is a... I don't even think that Laura even talks about... Creating programs again. In she's the movie. not a program. She's a laser scientist. Exactly, a laserologist, I believe. Uh, but yeah, Flynn uh, still flying around in his recognizer randomly encounters Bit. This is the second scene that Bits in. Thank God, Bit's back. Thank God. We see a couple of interesting designs for other programs in the system, as Tron and Yuri. Uh, oh, I love this. Group. I it's love one this one Mo's, of the best this, minutes. This yeah. fucking
1: Mose Eisley shit. Yes, where it's like. All this computer town weirdness. I was like, yeah, show me more of this. Like, fucking go to a fucking computer cantina.
0: They barely even, like, they, they make a little bit of verbal recognition of what's going on where they're traveling through and Tron's like, who are these people? And Yuri's just like, oh, they're other programs. And they just kind of, like, breeze past it. And I'm like, dude. explored that shit. Dude. I, I'm so impressed this, this little rinky-dink movie manages to make a world that is so full of possibility. I just wish that they explored those possibilities yes. more. Yeah, and I, I also wrote down, I wonder if a deeper knowledge of programming helps or hurts this viewing experience, because we don't
1: know anything. I know a little bit more than you do. Okay, sure. I've taken some IT classes. You
0: have? Yes. Okay. I tried to teach myself to program, and it didn't work out, but yeah.
1: uh, the... Well, you're still trying to teach yourself to read.
0: That's true. That is very true. And to listen to anything other than bruce springsteen without vomiting yeah that, that's like trauma shit
1: but anyway a lot of callbacks to older episodes yeah a lot of callbacks this episode someone's been listening to our back catalog yeah i glad someone is definitely me yeah the <laughs> <laughs> flynn crashes the recognizer yep. into a wall this is one of used... my
0: favorite bits is with a recognizer crash because it crashes literally bit by bit no pun intended yeah. Where like the blocks making it up just keep getting knocked off and it's so it's such a fun visual
1: this was another sticking point for me, just with the internal logic of the film, where I was like, "Okay, he crashes the recognizer into a wall, damaging the recognizer and the wall. Yes, but neither are real. Why would yeah? What does ones that mean? Zeros like have? Why would there be the ability to incur damage? No, um, that's,
0: that's a very good point, and it's it's very it's it's. And the problem is... What does this kind of damage that's happening look like from a user perspective, looking at the computer? Yeah, sure. What's happened? Did part of someone's essay disappear when he crashed his ship? Like, what's going on?
1: And, like, I'm willing... I like the movie enough where I'm willing to suspend disbelief, but the movie Mm -hmm. has done nothing to facilitate that.
0: No, it has not. To, To greater put this in context about what era this movie, in terms of computer evolution this movie was in, when they were talking to one of their experts to... Discuss this film. The expert was telling them about this great idea that he had for a home computer. Mm. Like this is how early we are. But yeah, uh, Tron and, and Yori climb the tower, and they eventually make it to a program designed by Doctor Gibbs and played Hold by on. Barnard Hughes. Sorry,
1: I. This is the point where I was wondering what the fuck Bruce Boxleitner is doing, like in the real world. Like he's just what the fuck is he doing this entire time? Is he just fucking jerking off to his popcorn machine? Oh. I think the only explanation that
0: I, I can think of of what Alan is up to is that time, like in Narnia, time in the Tron universe must gotcha. move so much faster. <laughs> That's why
1: Laura and Alan aren't like, where the fuck is Flynn? Because Alan,
0: Alan even says before they split up in the live action segment that he's like, hey, we have a very tight window to get this done. So this has to be happening in a very short
1: amount of time. Tron and Yori... Come up and meet Dumont. Dumont, and I love, I love this costume. I love this design. Oh my god, it's fucking crazy. Bernard Hughes's gargantuan imperial computer pope.
0: That's that's the only way to describe it. Yeah, the the imperial
1: computer with pope. his his hands coming out of his pecs. Mm-hmm. It's he. Again, it looks like some Wizard of Oz, like, Guardian of the Emerald City bullshit.
0: It looks like... Yeah, it looks like the Guardian of the the Emerald City mixed with the Pope, mixed with the Pope Mobile, mixed with, like... Some Warhammer shit. Some Warhammer shit, like a character that would appear in in Eraserhead. Like, it's just so
1: cool. It's it's nuts. It's nuts. He looks like some big computer cyst. (laughs) He looks... Great, and he's like
0: he's he's like a program that he's like built into the side of this hill.
1: I'm gonna ruin this for you. Go for it. He looks like a, a cyberpunk grimace <laughs>
0: <laughs> with the way that his arms are sticking out of the costume. It does kind of like like have this or like Ooh, Ronald McDonald like that that sort of vibe.
1: Yeah, I uh, I agree. And apparently, something happened at this point where mm, my personal meme of Bruce Boxleitner being nice started because I. <laughs> I wrote, put Bruce Boxleitner in more things. He's not the best, but he seems nice. <laughs> he does seem nice. He does. <laughs> and I also noted, Dumont is so cool. Oh, the yeah. The whole movie should just be about Dumont slowly and awkwardly going places. in his big fucking, his big fucking stepped pyramid a little conveyance.
0: Unfortunately, later on, when it's time for Dumont to actually move around, they take him out of the suit. I know, and it's so and just disappointing. Make him... They basically establish it. Yeah, this is his Pope suit, and this is, like, his sort of dressed-down priest look. But, like, it would have been so much cooler if it was, like, they had to rip him out of yeah. the mountain,
1: and then he was just, like, lying there, bleeding, like, uh, juices. Because he's a guardian program, so he might, like... You could imagine, yeah, him as like a fixture. Sure, yeah, it would be that would be fucking fantastic, and
0: uh, man, get Jim Henson Company in on the Tron universe. But yeah, uh, the yeah, Barnard Hughes definitely fares better in this role than he does as dr gibbs in my opinion yeah. like he gets to this do is some more interesting he gets to do some more interesting stuff
1: and he has my favorite you think they let barnard hughes go home with the costume I, uh, do you think he just like walked home from the set with from that?
0: what i un- understand they let them all go home with their own costumes
1: really i'm pretty sure oh, because man.
0: both bruce Boxleitner and jeff bridges have their costumes at home
1: we'll fucking dig up barnard hughes's grave <laughs> see what he's buried in
0: uh but uh, yeah, and then Barnard Hughes has my one of my my favorite line in the movie: "All that is visible must grow beyond itself and extend into the invisible." Mm. It's again, it's again like this religious, sh- but it's also like connecting to this Lord of the Rings sort of Narnia yeah. sort of like this epic fantasy vibe. Uh, he allows. Uh, After some much consternation, he allows Tron past him to make contact with his user. Anyway, uh, yeah, Tron communes with Alan in this awesome sequence where he holds his... The only scene in which the memory disks are important. He holds his memory disk. The memory disk flies up into heaven Mm -hmm. to connect with Alan. Alan gets all the data from Tron and then sends the memory disk back, loaded with a new program designed to take down MCP from the inside. Mm. He says, you need to throw this at mcp's base you need to hit mcp in the base with it and M- and tron holds
1: the disc and says tron says i'm all about that base
0: <laughs> yeah, he holds the disc and he says this code disc means freedom <laughs> i love how seriously this movie takes its bullshit it's yeah, so good it just it needs to be more it needs, it needs to, to be more. more it needs to be fleshed out sark arrives just a little bit too late as dumont has uh given uh has allowed uh, our heroes to escape. He, he asks them, where were those programs? And, and he says, what programs? And then they arrest him, and yeah, and this is where we find out, no, it's just a costume. And I'm like, fuck. We then see, after Sark arrests Dumont and fails to arrest Tron and uh, the others, uh, he has another meeting with MCP where once again MCP starts threatening him and he's and he says, uh, I've given you power, Sark, and I can take it away or something and like that. And my
1: question is of what? <laughs> is he like the fucking baron of some sort of digital feudal like, Yeah. like like what what I, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Not not so much in the MCP idea of, like, an evil AI that wants to control everything, mm-hmm. but this idea of a sub-program that has some sort of ambition. Sure. But then just, like, give me something. Give me something. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I finally realized that this is Toy Story.
0: Yes, yeah, Toy Story also doesn't never really interrogates the idea that these toys are alive and what that what a horrifying thing that actually this is. This is just
1: computer story, this is what programs do when we're not around that's, and when we can't see them.
0: That's exactly right, that was the log line for the film. So Yuri and Tron steal a solar sail simulator, which is another one of those things it's like... Sure, this might as well happen. Doesn't make a goddamn like a sense, but it's very cool looking. Pretty sure the solar sail was also a Mobius creation. I, I believe I
1: believe he worked on the vehicles.
0: That makes sense. Okay. But uh, they fly away... At least some of the
1: vehicles, because there was overlap in design. Sure.
0: They fly away from the tower towards the hum- hub of MCP. A very important thing that happened that I forgot to mention is that after crashing his recognizer, Flynn was able to disguise himself as one of the bad guys by getting close to one, which somehow caused him to turn red. During this scene, Flynn catches up with Tron and Yuri, gets on to the solar sailor uh, before they get away, too far away. And by being close to Tron, he turns blue. Mm-hmm. And this is given some sort of significance in Jeff Bridges' acting, but is never fully explained, but does become important later. Oh, yeah, Sark, in the scene between MCP and Sark, not only does he threaten to take away his power, he says, I'll cut you down and put you in a pocket calculator. Mm. Which is just like...
1: I mean, that's a good very joke, s- but also... Very silly. Does not make sense. <laughs> Doesn't
0: make sense. Uh, Flynn admits to Tron and Yuri that he is a user. And Tron says that Flynn... A
1: heroin user. <laughs> they have an intervention.
0: <laughs> Tron says that if Flynn is a user, then everything he's doing must be according to some plan. Flynn laughs and says, You wish. Well, you guys know what it's like. The universe
1: is meaningless, man. You just keep doing what you're supposed
0: to be doing, no matter how crazy it seems. And Tron responds, Well, that's the way it is for programs, yes. Hey, to disappoint you, pal, but most of the time that's the way it is for users, too. And this moment knocked me the fuck out. Yeah. Because so much of the movie does sort of fit this very Christian allegory style, but one of the main tenets of Christianity is that God is all good. It's like a theologic... It's a main point of theological debate between Christians and other faiths about the idea of, like, can God be all good if evil exists in the world? Wouldn't that mean that he is not fully good, or maybe he's all evil? And this movie's response to this debate is that God is just some sort of, like, well-meaning doofus trying his best, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well. So it's just like, it's such a weird theological wet fart to me.
1: The, the my proposed end for our Tron series yes, is that, quote-unquote, God gets sucked into the human world as another layer of, like, as an inversion or a, yeah, a macroscopic way of the programmers getting sucked into the digital world. We meet our users exactly. Yeah, I
0: think that's. I think that this the end of this movie really points towards that. But yeah, uh, so that was a, a weird moment for me. But yes, uh, it really when, made
1: you question your faith.
0: <laughs> it made me. It made me question my enjoyment of the film temporarily.
1: Do you, do you think Martin Luther watched Tron, and that's what caused the schism? <laughs>
0: I think, yes, I think a time traveler went back in time and was like, you know what
1: Martin Luther needs to see? Fucking Tron. I only have one time jump. I I know exactly how to use it. That's the episode of... You, Catholic (laughs) priest! Let me explain what film is. Let me explain (laughs) what computers are. (laughs) And now I'm going to show you Tron. (laughs) Tron.
0: Uh, Flynn seems to be hitting on Yuri quite a bit, which I thought was gross. Yeah,
1: it was super gross.
0: Yeah, we get a rare moment of 2D animation reminding us what uh, the creators of this movie were Mm -hmm. traditionally good at.
1: Did we pass by the grid bugs? This is the grid bugs.
0: We get a rare moment of 2D animation where a bunch of weird uh, classroom projectors with spider legs come alive. They're called grid bugs. And in the same shot in which they're They appear, Laura, not Laura, uh, Yuri has a bit of uh, voiceover. Yuri Yuri has a bit of voiceover where she says, oh, we got to be careful. Them grid bugs is going to get us.
1: Here's the thing. I love these grid bugs. I, I love them so fucking much. I'm obsessed with them. If I were like 8 to 12, yeah. I would be going apeshit. I'd be like, what, tell me more about the grid bugs. Yeah. And I, I, is there a grid bug action figure? I need the grid bugs.
0: Unfortunately, the grid bugs are another one of these things that just like pop up and then are just not a big thing. But like it is a moment because the animation on them is so good and so they look so cool, lively. They look so cool. They match the rest of the world so well. They're green and they match the vibe of the rest of the world so well. It really shows you like that again. This company that made this was a two D animation company that just decided to branch out. The and this this sequence shows you how good they really were yeah despite the fact that the only other thing that they ever really made that was wasn't a commercial is the famously horny laugh uh, animal olympics shorts yeah uh but uh i wish that there was honestly just a little bit more 2d animation sprinkled in with the I, cgi it'd be great like
1: i love the faux digital animation oh, yeah. more than i like the digital animation like it's I, I love it It all, it all looks good. It, it all, all looks
0: good. It all mixes so well in, such a, in so, such a weird way. Our heroes are flying along having this theological discussion when Sark's Star Destroyer comes out of fucking nowhere and just rams them to shit. Mm, classic
1: naval tactic.
0: <laughs> classic naval tactic. Tron is presumed... Missing, presumed
1: dead? Yeah, and we're... We know that he's not
0: because it's the climax of the movie.
1: And also... <laughs> And also, no fanfare is given to his supposed death. Yeah. I We don't even see why they think that he is dead. And like, I was pulled
0: this trick with Flynn earlier anyway.
1: I was so confused that uh, in the next scene, Yori says, Tron's dead. And I went, since when? <laughs> like, I fucking had to rewind because it happened no, so goddamn yeah. fast. No, seriously. But yeah, our heroes are threatened
0: by Sark in a cell. Uh, and I wanted to bring a, a attention to this one because Laura Baines in one of her interviews said that uh, David Warner was so intimidating in this scene. And this is like the only scene that she shared with him in the whole movie that she was actually, remembers being scared of him. Oh, man. When it's filming hard. this scene. <laughs>
1: That's a testament to David Warner's prowess. Yeah. When you can be dressed like a uh, neon-lit Hershey kiss. <laughs> And you can intimidate someone? Oh, my God.
0: No, I mean, for real, though. But yes, uh, Tron, meanwhile, is pulling a Dr. Jones from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark and has climbed on board the outside of the Star Destroyer Mm -hmm. and is flying towards the MCP headquarters. We finally meet the actual face of MCP. Looks literally like face from NC from uh, Nickelodeon Kids when I was a kid. Okay. And you said that this is also the face of Moses from South Park.
1: Yes. Great. Another uh, early reference that I caught to Tron. Sure.
0: So Sark leaves them all behind in a Star Destroyer and is like, I don't need this shit anymore. I'm going to derez my entire ship and everyone in it. Which seems like... A waste of resources
1: but well to quote randall from the clerks animated series when cortez got to the new world he burned his ships in order to inspire his men
0: (laughs) oh man clerks the animated series but yeah uh flynn so the the people inside the ship start to res, but uh flynn just brings yuri back to life immediately so i guess he's he is literally jesus now uh tron reveals himself by just like the cowboy Bruce Boxleitner Leitner was born to play. He mm. walks, he doesn't bandy about, he walks right up to MCP. Is like, hey, motherfucker, come out and face me.
1: Identity disc, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, come out and froth me. MCP has this other
0: great quote that I loved in, in talking about the world. It, he's He is in the process of slowly de-rezzing um, Bernard Hughes' character here. And uh, as he's absorbing him and all of his information, he says, All programs have a desire to be useful. Once the process is complete, you will no longer wish to communicate with each other. You will instead become a part of me. Mm. I just liked that a lot. Well, that's sweet. He has good intentions. (laughs) (laughs) Tron and Sark have a laser... Frisbee fight. This is pretty great.
1: So good. This is pretty fucking great. It's so good. Again, I mean, the games in this movie are where
0: it really shines. Exactly. Yeah. And it's essentially it's essentially a lightsaber fight. Like it's just like them shooting it's, glowing things back and forth.
1: But a lightsaber fight is just a sword fight. True. This is a fucking
0: They're jumping, they're dodging, they're yeah. they're throwing the if they're playing they're playing Dodge Frisbee. Yeah. And it's so good. And but the best. And David part, Warner's
1: just playing it to the
0: Fucking hilt! Oh my god!
1: And MCP's looking all
0: trippy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The best part though is in the end of this fight, Tron kills Sark. He aims a a, a killer blow right through Sark's disk. It shatters it in two, and then it just lands a fucking dent in his skull It shat. it breaks his helmet in two and we see red glowing shit flowing out of the top of sark's head in a moment that simultaneously has no gore at all and felt so fucking gnarly to me
1: i don't know how it would jive with our narrative <laughs> but i want somehow in our tron show for Tron to be the one who brings murder to the digital landscape, like he commits oh the god. first, like not a derezzing. right? A murder,
0: a murder. I don't know how that would work either. But I don't I know. Love it so much. <laughs> it's like he's the first program to murder another program, and there's like, oh my god, there's like a whole. And he's like, I'm supposed to be the hero who fights for the users, and yet I have become a monster among my own people.
1: And then he marks himself in Sark's blood. Oh my god, yes. And he changes his name to like. Something like Kane, but obviously we'll have to make it a little less obvious. A little less
0: obvious. Yeah, it's not like this movie is incredibly (laughs) ham-fisted with its religious imagery. But yeah, Tron is now up against MCP himself, but none of his frisbee tricks uh, are able to get past MCP's shields. Uh, he's he's trying everything in the every every trick in the book. It's not and working out.
1: I, I want to point out something that sort of gets subverted here, but it's something I appreciated throughout the film, and I sort of mm-hmm. mentioned it earlier. What I love is in the outside world, Flynn is the hotshot. Like when we go in, we expect him, and to an extent, he is. Mm-hmm. But inside the computer, it's all about Tron. Tron's a fucking hero. That's yeah. why it's called fucking Tron. Mm-hmm.
0: It is it is very strange because normally in narratives like this, when you have a character who is the one, you know. Mm-hmm. And as who
1: travels to the other who land. travels
0: to the other land, they are the hero again. Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, John Carter—they are the hero of that story. This is so unique because Tron is not special among the programs, aside from his mission statement, yes, and the fact that he's that he's really good with frisbees. And
1: he is the uh, ultimate security program or whatever the ultimate security program. Uh, uh, he's somehow he is somehow special. Yeah, because, but
0: he doesn't have like but, superpowers com- based on like he's just really good at what yeah. he does. Flynn literally has superpowers, and the movies like, yeah, he's not that important. <laughs> oh. he, he's he ha, he's the fully the one. It's like if the movie, it's, it's like if the Matrix is like, yeah, Neo has is a god.
1: This story's about Morpheus, like that, and that was it, the movie. It'd be if it were about Agent Smith because he's the program. That's yeah. But here's okay. Again, we'll get cut out for our non-existent Tron show. Yeah, but. Yeah, we need to save all these ideas. This is the crux of the program revolution, where Tron is like, "Who killed Sark? Who fucking stood up? Mm -hmm. Was it Flynn? Was it the user? No, it was Tron. It was me. It was me. Oh man, that'd be
0: amazing. So you think that Tron would turn on them as well?
1: Yeah, I think. I think that again. This is like a season three thing. Oh yeah, definitely season three. Uh, But yeah,
0: so uh, Flynn realizes somehow that the color-changing shit he was doing earlier is significant. How? Why? I don't know. But he realizes that somehow, if he gets into MCP, who is red, he can turn him blue, and therefore uh, somehow make an opening for Tron to kill him. He shares an entirely chemistryless kiss. Oh my with god! Yuri. I
1: hated this. I hated this. Yo, don't kiss Yori. That's Tron's girl. Yeah, made me super uncomfortable. Granted, they thought Tron was dead. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It muddies the narrative so hard. I think even at this point in the movie, they've seen Tron fighting down
0: there. Really, so I, I
1: think that they did know he was alive even and he kissed him
0: anyway. But kissed her anyway. But yeah, Flynn sacrifices himself. He dives into the top of MCP. Flows down the tunnel, turning MCP blue. MCP is very confused about this. What?
1: What? What?
0: (laughs) And allows Tron to deliver the finishing blow, throwing his his disc and slicing through MCP, destroying him. Oh, and there was a brief sequence I forgot to mention where MCP says, I'm giving you all my power now, Sark, and Sark's corpse reanimates
1: and grows gigantic. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that.
0: I completely forgot about that, even though I made a note about it. It is, it is really cool. It, it's, it's just sort like, of
1: neat. Giant David Warner. Yeah, it's just,
0: again, it's not explored enough to leave and a lot of it, a... It,
1: it, Ultimately, does not matter.
0: We get a beautiful montage of the digital world returning to its former glory. Yeah, And nature is returning to what it's supposed to be, just like at the end of Lord of the Rings. The world,
1: the world, and like a lot of the backgrounds were designed by a man named Sid Mead. Another bit for a non-existent Tron show, right? Yes. So this might be like end of season one, end of season two. Who knows? Sure. But at some point, like this idea that the digital landscape has now become a environment and is now like this sort of out of control computer program that's just mm-hmm. infecting spaces in the real world and they're like Ooh. what the fuck?" like and flynn who knows that the digital world is real and has consequences like mm-hmm. what the fuck do i do with this expanding landscape that is just taking up space on computers like yeah this is technically a virus but, but there are this so many is the expansion of an actual world—living, sentient beings who are going to
0: die if anybody like turns on turns on their fire yeah. detector. Uh, Yuri, I guess, learned what kissing is through kissing Jeff Bridges because when she's reunited with Tron, she kisses him, and Tron's like acts surprised, is like that's nice, slaps her. <laughs> no, he says, "I like this." Uh, and uh, and uh, Barnard Hughes' character shows up and says, Computer programs may now connect and serve their users as they were created. to. <laughs> Uh, Flynn, of course, didn't really die and is transported back to our world just in time to see printed out evidence showing that Dillinger did, instead, st- did indeed steal his ideas from him. Which
1: is just a fucking piece of paper that says, Literally, ideas yeah. by uh, Flynn, uh, whatever Flynn. Or, yeah,
0: uh, would not hold up in court no. at all. But Something I, you could do on
1: a fucking typewriter.
0: Another one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie we see Dillinger show up for another day of work. It's a repeat of basically the same sequence as from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He walks into his office, he turns on MCP, and all that's left of the program is the text from the printout saying that he stole from Flynn. Yeah. He sits down in his chair looking defeated and empty, and the camera pulls back to like a wide shot of him sitting alone in his office. And it's so fucking good. Yeah, this movie has so these weird moments of brilliance that break through. But yes, and now uh, we get
1: a very tacked-on ending. Very tacked-on uh, ending. Flynn, Alan, and Laura all hug at the
0: helipad. At the helipad, we we get a like a sort of like an inference that Flynn is now the CEO of NCOM. That's
1: how businesses work. That's how
0: businesses works. And as he as he hugs them, he says, "Greetings, programs." And then we hard cut to a shot of the city. As night falls, the details soon replaced by a series of colored lights showing that just like the programs that users create, that created them with purpose to reach beyond their world into the world beyond, that we too, a purposefully created being capable of intelligent design uh, with, we were purposefully created by a being capable of intelligent design with the purpose of growing beyond the world we were made for, and that we too were created by some doofy gamer bro who was just trying his best. Probably. So, any final thoughts on Tron?
1: No. I enjoyed it. I think more people should check it out. I Obviously, we need to make our Tron television show, which will run for nine seasons.
0: I'm so stoked about the ideas that we've come up with here that will definitely (laughs) never be made into anything.
1: (laughs) No. No, if we were ever to make, if we were, even if we were to secure a Tron show through Disney, yeah, yeah, they would never let us do what we want to no, do. No, not even, not even slightly. Especially after Tron Legacy didn't do well. Yeah,
0: uh, no, they're. I think they're done with Tron for now. But uh, thank you so Tron's very much. Tron's not done with them though. No, not by a long shot. Thank you so very much for listening to this deep dive on this '80s relic. And yeah. uh, uh, Brad, what are we going to talk about next time?
1: Next time, unless I change my mind, because even though we had a little bit of a break before this episode, we're going to have another break because I will be very busy. Yes. But I think next time we're going to return to Frank Hennenlauter. Nice. And talk about Frankenhooker, Hooker. Or, if we want to be PC, sure. Frank and Sex Worker.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. We need to be very, very uh, tactful when talking about Frank and Sex Worker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Good night.
2: All right. Have a